Yo, what's up, bro? What's up, what's up? What up? Yo, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. You need to take that personal. Take the Oh, we got coming up, like I said, show the lookout featuring that bad man median uh, from Justice League. Check it out, y'all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a very special guest. We have two important dudes that pretty much restored the faith in hip hop and in us on Take It Personal. We have Rapper Miku and Fonte on the show. Welcome, guys. Peace. What up, what up? Thank y'all for having us, man. Of course. You know, ironically, we had you on a show many, many years ago, about 20 some years ago. The, the uh, Philip Flavor show, right? Was it? Yes. Oh, you remember. All right. Oh, yeah. Nice. Right. <laughs> good memory. Good memory. And, uh, I, I must have said something stupid for him to remember 20 years later. <laughs> What's up with all the food references, man? I love it. You know, I got a gut. I'm overweight, and I hear your songs, and I start getting hungry, man, like Ronzoni noodles and all that, you know? We, we both are, are just big believers in, you know, showing up for the people that show up for us, you know what I mean? You guys were, you know, supporting us all the way, you know, from day one. So, you know, when we got the call to come in, you know, they was like, yo, y'all want to do this? I'm like, oh, these homies from Phil Flavor. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Nice. So, uh, Appreciate that, man. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. That was at Florida Atlantic University. That was many, many years ago. I mean, yeah, we're a lifetime ago. <laughs> and you know how that happened? I, I mean, you probably may not remember, but you guys, this what, 2003, you got like some crazy review right on this website which is like a hip-hop forum called hip-hop infinity and oh, wow. your your record the listening got like some bad review and you were on like a rampage like trying to find out whatever why this site and i said come on our show let me give you an outlet and and id's our boy and he wanted he thought like yeah. it was a perfect fit and and at that time he made it happen but that's how we initially got you so 2003 man i mean that's over 20 years ago so 
Nah, legit, man. Yeah, In man. fact, y'all probably still here, man, doing it. Like, that's uh, that's love, man. I appreciate y'all having us. And, and I feel like, if I'm not mistaken, we're probably around the same age. I'm 45, I yep. want to say. Yeah, yep, you're I'm 45. I turned, yeah, I just turned 45 this past December. Oh, wow. On Monday. So you're, you're the young uh, one. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. So there's a there's like a lot of similarities, I, I think. I mean, just from listening to your music throughout the years, I feel like, you know, you guys are beyond relatable, but there are so many things that I think stand out as a hip hop fan. And first and foremost, you guys are like students of music. You know, you may, you're a musician, but you you have a, like an appreciation that goes beyond. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that resonates in the music you guys make. And, you know, there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't want to do the usual, like, mundane interview. And I don't want to ask the questions about the listening or the ninth history, because, you know, we know that. And if you watch the doc, you got all the answers. But it's all there. Yeah. I do want uh, this interview to be kind of like a way where maybe if we're lucky to peel back some layers and allow the listeners to uh, maybe see a different side of you guys and either rediscover or discover little brother, you know, for those that may not be familiar with you guys, Uh, because I think, you know, it's important, especially when we do these interviews, like when we had Redman on the show or, or premiere, whoever it is, black thought, we try to like, expose a different side and ask maybe questions that they're not typically asked. So I hope you guys are down for that for however yeah, long sure, we, for however long we do have you. And and I, I empathize because I'm exhausted too, Fonte. So I thank you for staying up <laughs> and, 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 and doing this. There's but, no um, problem, man. Yeah. Anybody else gotta wake up and make uh, tur- <laughs> turkey sandwiches for your kids' school lunches tomorrow morning? Uh well my my youngest son is eighteen, so we 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 passed oh, okay. that. Yeah. Fucking eighteen already? Damn. Yeah, my well my oldest is twenty three and then he's my youngest, he's eighteen. So yeah. I remember the songs talking about, you know, looking back in my son in the in the uh, car seat. Oh yeah, now nah, he been out of the car seat for a long time. He wow. trying trying to convince me to get his damn driver's license now. Time time is just <laughs> flying by. It's fucking yeah, weird. Man. Well, I got a ten, a ten-year-old and a fifteen-year-old, so uh, I hear you on it being late and uh, having to get up and do shit. So, I want to just touch on the doc because obviously that's pretty important to you guys. For me, it was kind of refreshing to see artists such as yourself show like a vulnerable side, show an honest side where you're kind of not behind the curtain, so to speak. Like what we saw was very raw, and it wasn't calculated you didn't kind of sugarcoat things and i think i believe the people that watched it had a true appreciation for you guys as a group after that because it gave a lot of it gave closure for starters but it gave a lot of um important information and a true appreciation of what you guys had to go through not just your trials and tribulations but for me the the, the coolest thing of that doc was seeing two dudes who started out together drift for whatever reason and come back and, and reunite to become something stronger and better. And, and to me, that was, that was the coolest part of the doc. It became a mess. Still my time, Jim. Jim said we got time. 
And I was just like, dog. All I wanted was my favorite rap group to get back together. Thank you for being here. It's been a journey, and I hope that if you learn anything from my journey, man, if we can get through our shit and come through and do this right here today, then anything is possible, nigga, for real. Because we had a lot of shit to work through. So I say that and say this. If there's any trouble in your life, you can work through it, you can see your way through it, and you can come out to the other side. Thank you. Thank you so it, much, man. Yeah, you said it perfectly right there, man. I mean, I I really enjoyed that documentary. In fact, I just started listening to your catalog right after, just for like two weeks straight, just had him on all your albums on random and and then to have you guys here tonight, man, it's all just, uh, you know, coming together. I like that scene where you guys are looking up at the mural at the end, man. It's like powerful. You like, it just kind of feels like you all had that feeling of like, yeah, look, look, look what we did, you know, and, and, and this mural is going to be here forever. Right. So it was good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. That, um, that was actually, we didn't, you know, get to fit it in the dot, you know what I mean? But that was actually our first time seeing that mural. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was that was our first time uh seeing it. We had um the muralist, uh there's a brother named Darius Quarles. He's a local uh mural artist, uh that's in Durham and uh he's really dope. And they they did that a couple years ago. And um we had, you know, homies hitting us, like, you know, cats were taking pictures of it on IG, like, yo, y'all know they got a mural of y'all in Durham. I'm like, <laughs> what? So for years, like we had, neither one of us had ever went to see it. And, um, it was very, it was just, I don't know. It was odd. Like it was just something that, I mean, yeah. of course very beautiful and everything, but nothing prepares you for seeing your face on the side of a building that size. Like, that <laughs> right, something right. That, you know, we're, we're not, um, we're, we're really not, um, yeah, that was just something that we never saw for ourselves. We was just making records and just trying to, you know, just make dope shit and just yeah. really just trying to be our best. We no one thought that it's like, okay, you're on the side of a mural. And um I was talking to uh, uh my man Dart Adams, who's also in the doc, of course. Um yep, sure. you know, uh, big ups to my brother Dart, man. And and he 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 understood it. He was like, you know, at the end, you know, because we're just like, ah, yeah, whatever we seen this shit, we gotta go. And mm-hmm. he was like, you know, he compared it to like Red Arbach, who was the, the Celtics, you know, coach. Yeah. You know I mean, yep. and he was just saying, like, you know, they put of a, a made a, a a statue of him. And to him, Red, he was like, Listen, I've I've worked just a few blocks from this statue. Like, I'm still working, you know. What I mean, my work isn't done. You know, and why are y'all honoring me when my work isn't done? You know, mm. and uh, that was something I think, um, you know, just for me, that was a big feeling of it. It was very, um, yeah, it was surreal. It's like, oh, my God, especially because where they got to join at is it, right across the street from what used to be South Square Mall. And I used to work in South Square Mall when I was at Central. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? I used to work at goddamn SNK and Warehouse Music. And uh, and the limited, I worked like damn near everywhere in that goddamn mall. Limited, <laughs> yeah, I worked everywhere, dog. So you know, man. So nah, it was um that, but yeah, that was our first time seeing it, and it was you know beautiful, and you know it is like to watch is like oh my god, like they got us on this building, but it is kind of surreal just to to see to, I mean to to literally face yourself, and that was the one of the the biggest themes of the movie was us facing yeah. ourselves. Yeah, well said. Well said. Who? What was the biggest thing that surprised you from once the movie, the documentary was released from from 
not just the fans, but maybe family or friends. Like, what was the one thing that maybe you didn't realize while making this that it kind of hit you after the fact? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was close friends and family actually getting to see a side of me or a part of me that they don't see. You know, when I'm with my family and my close friends, that's not in music. We don't talk about music. We don't talk mm-hmm. about, you know, not not a lot. We don't talk about, like, what I do a lot. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. Thomas. You know what I mean? Like, we just talk about life or we talk about sports or whatever. And so for them to, to see me in that light, in that way, you know, through a documentary, um, you know, I always tell the story about my mom. Like, you know, my mom, I'm my mom's son. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not... I'm not this rapper. I'm, you know, yeah, she proud of me, but I'm her son. So after the documentary, she came to the premiere in DC and she saw it and she thought it was beautiful. Of course she's in it. But after that is when she started going back and watching like all of our interviews. Mm. She hadn't watched them before then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and I knew this cause I got a random text. Thomas, you smoke weed? <laughs> <laughs> Another smoke box. Leave comments. Subscribe to the channel. Fuck with little brother all day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Let them know where they can find y'all. Because she was watching our smoke box episode. Uh, Would be real. Yeah. So it was one of the things where, you know, just people getting to see me in a light that they didn't really see me in because that's not you know, how we operated. Um, I think that was the biggest thing for me was just people coming to that reality of, okay, he, who I am outside of who I am to them. Yeah. So COVID was kind of like a gift and a curse for many. Like for you, didn't this doc kind of come from like, was almost born out of that period? Like it came to fruition during this time, if if, if I'm not mistaken? Like... Uh, we the, the the doc was already in process, like we was already making it, but COVID allowed us time to step back and really kind of figure out the the, the movie we wanted to make. We was all over the place pre-COVID. Like Got we it. was talk about everything. We was trying to fit a whole bunch into a little bit of time, and we we had no direction, you know, in in a nutshell. But COVID allowed us time to step back because you had to step back to fucking assess yourself. And as you're doing that, you know, as we were doing that, we were assessing ourselves. We were assessing, you know, us reassessing our relationship with each other, reassessing the group. And that all led to us figuring out, finally figuring out the story we wanted to tell for mm-hmm. the documentary. We talk about it all the time that people think documentaries are easy. Mm-hmm. because you're just telling facts, but you still have to tell a story. Right. <laughs> and you still have to make it compelling. You still have to make it, you know, interesting. And we wanted to tell a story that allowed people who may have never heard of us before, you know, if this was their introduction to us to not feel like they were lost in the weeds because we talking about a specific album and what snare was used and what sample was used. The sample we used and all like, yeah, like, that, that shit is a podcast. Though. That's like, a podcast. Yeah. That's, not, <laughs> that's not for for television consumption, you know, for visual consumption. So um, that, so that's what COVID did. It really allowed us 
the time and space to to really hone in on what this documentary needed to be about. It gave us time to redirect course. And okay. so when we came out of COVID, we was able to like all them interviews were after were after COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we didn't we felt like it was really important, you know, because we had we started this in 2018 and you know we shot some interviews early on, you know, in 2018. Um, but after, you know, post quarantine, you know what I mean, it was like, yeah, dude, there's no way we can have interviews in this documentary from pre-COVID. Like Mm. that everyone's perspective changed, you know what I'm saying? And, um, sure. you know, it, that, that gave time, I think a lot of people time, you know, to, to be in the house and to really just focus on who they wanted to be moving forward. And we thought that fresh perspective was needed in this doc, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, man, we shot all the other interviews, everyone that we did, you know, um, you know, all our, you know, all, all our people, we mm -hmm. gave them the questions beforehand. And, you know, Jason, to your point about it being something that was really raw, you know, we gave everyone else the questions beforehand and uh, our, our, our production uh, partners, Rap Portraits, uh, Holland Gallagher and Yo Phillips, uh, Holland, our director, and then Yo Phillips, our writer, they were the ones that really helped us, you know, shape the narrative. We wanted outside eyes on our story. And, um, you know, because that's that's kind of what it is. It's like, you know, me and Pooh, we just state the facts. You know, we just tell, look, this is what happened. But you have someone on the outside looking at all those facts and they shape the narrative. You know what I'm saying? They look at all those facts and say, hey, OK, this. OK, I'm starting to see some patterns here. You know what I mean? Like you it's, it's almost like therapy. You know what I mean? It's very therapeutic. And so um, everyone else's interviews, they had the questions beforehand. But Pooh and I we told Holland and yo, like, we don't want our questions beforehand. We just mm -hmm. gonna set the camera up. Mm. Y'all ask the questions and whatever come out, that's just what the fuck is coming out. And mm. that's what y'all got. <laughs> so that's, that's what it was. So it was cathartic for both of you guys to, to make that, this doc. First of all, you throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now, because I don't understand them, I'm gonna take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's been out what a couple months now. Uh, what Black Friday is when you dropped it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Coming up on like yeah, two months, like two months of change, something like that. Yeah. So, um, I'm just curious now that it's been a couple of months. Have you guys uh, noticed or realized uh, a big jump in downloads, sales, album, any particular albums, things of that nature? Has that stuff jumped up because of the exposure of the documentary? I think so. I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard, hard to tell, yeah. in the street, but, um, I, I believe it has. Um, I do know as people who go back and revisit the catalog, because now that, you know, you've seen the doc, you, you're hearing things a little differently. Um, and then of course there's people who were introduced to us through the documentary. So they're going to discover the catalog. Yep. Um, um, so I, I, I'm, I know it has, you know how much who knows but it definitely has um increased uh so what it did for me um i'm a huge fan you guys are my number number two what the fuck did you just say to me little motherfucker say it who's, uh, who's number one <laughs> my no it's it's 1a and 1b tribe called quest and little brother what the fuck did you just say what did you say what the fuck did you just say 
Oh and, man, I thought you was gonna say smiles and South Star. I was. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, we're in Florida. We know what you behind smiles and South Star. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what it did for me is uh, have me go back and you, you know not not the easy one with the listening, but go back and, and revisit other albums like Chitlin Circuit and yeah. uh, and, and you know uh, the Get Back and and Justice for All and stuff like that. Um, stuff, stuff that like, you know, when you, when you start talking about little brother, there's a couple things you think of like right away, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about the listening cause it was so impactful when it first came out. And then you want to talk about, I'm loving it. It's a great video, great song, classic college radio banger. But, but then as time moves on, it's easy. You know, we just get consumed with all this different music. You forget about some, you guys got a big ass catalog. There's a lot of albums in there. And if you don't yeah, think about it for a minute, you can you can kind of forget to go back and revisit the other ones as well, which have a lot of jewels on them. I was just listening to uh, one album a minute ago, and I heard three or four songs that I forgot all about that are great, like like Good Clothes. Well, no shit, no shit. You know, uh, you know, jams like that that I haven't heard them in a minute, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that song. That's a great record. Yeah, man. I mean, shit, it'd be records we don't forgot about. Right. You know I mean, oh, I'm we sure. Were, Man, we were we were just cutting, yeah. But back then, I mean, man, that you know, we were just we cutting like so much madman, yeah. So we much, so much time that, in in reality, a lot of that was done in like a six seven year period, and you don't really like. I had to think about it. Like, damn, we did a lot of that in a short amount of time. Like, mm-hmm. we, we were we were fucking in the gym shooting all the shots. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 it wasn't until we, you know, we were doing the doc and just kind of actually looking at our documentary and uh, when I even look at the documentary, but looking at our discography and it was like, damn. Sometimes we would put out multiple projects a year, like the solo. Then I do foreign exchange. Then we came with minstrel show. Then Pooh did sleepers. Then did, like yeah. you know, we just kind of had that moment of looking at it, it's like, damn, no wonder we were burnt the fuck out on each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no wonder we was just you know just over that shit. You know because there was no uh, there was no way to kind of pace ourselves, or there was no one there to kind of say like, hey man, but y'all boys just kind of you know. Y'all ain't gotta. You, you can you can be a little more strategic about this. All we knew was that we just had to make it, and um, you know we wanted our music to be heard. And you know we didn't have the big budgets. You know we weren't coming out of a city. We weren't coming out of like a Brooklyn or like a um, you know uh, L.A. or even like a Chicago or, or whatever. Like we weren't coming from a city that was known for hip hop in that way. But um, we just knew we can't win with big budgets or, you know, big headlines or whatever. The only thing we can win with is our music and consistency. Like Mm -hmm. just, we gotta be consistent. You know what I mean? And and that was the, that was the frame of mind that that I was in at that time. And at the same time, as all this was going on, there was also, cause I had him, I had him on, I burned him on CD. You had a justice league volume one, volume two, volume three. How many (laughs) volumes were there? How many, there were several. Those, those, those were uh, those were illegal uh, 
put together projects. So I, it, I don't. It's, it was like Tupac albums after he died. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was right? like Machiavelli eight or some shit. Like, yeah. I was wondering how much, how much did you guys have, you know, involve uh, involvement in putting all that together? Because it did feel like just random mixtapes. Yeah, the only one that we put together was the the NC State of Mind, the Justice League Volume One, uh, and two the the double mixtape that we did on hip hop site um, at the time, and you know we put that one together. I mean, that was us. You know what I'm saying? That was uh, me and Ninth. Like you know, we like I sequenced it, and like we, I mean, we put that one together. But like. Everything else, once you know the music gets into the hands of, of the fans, man, you have no control. So <laughs> it was really I didn't know it's like that. Yeah, nah, man. But but I mean, but it was beautiful. Like we we just you know because they were kind of doing the work for us. They were like you know our online street team without even realizing it. We was just like, listen, man. I mean, they're spreading this music, you know, damn near faster than we can make it. You know what I mean? So. Fuck it, let them. You know what I mean? Like we didn't. You know that was why when um 2007 uh when Get Back you know was coming out and you know I leaked the album like I you know what I'm saying that you know what I mean the album had leaked already but the album leaked and it was missing a track and I downloaded it and I was like yo this they missing a track like this ain't even the full album and so. I just went on OK Play and was like, hey, y'all, I know the shit leaked, but it's missing the track. If y'all want the real shit, hit my DM. And that <laughs> shit went crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, hell, that did more promotion for the album than damn ABB did for the album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was so many people that saw that and was like, shit. My mama told me that this music was cool All she ever wanted from me was to graduate from school But I had other plans, so I bid school do. I called Food Line, had to tell them I was through No more stocking peas and corn I was born for a much greater purpose Do you this service? Margie got nervous But Thomas don't sweat Eight years, I ain't been back yet Lack of time on your TV sets No radio spins Mama asking the son, what he doing for ends? Spending weeks on the road Mine is safe for pretend Unheard to the creme de la creme Keep bouncing I'm, I'm a cop too off the strength Like y'all real for this Like you know what I mean But we we had to show the fans That like look we're one of y'all Like we, we're music nerds too We downloading this shit And you know that was at the time of uh, It was kind of like the end days of LimeWire I, I wasn't I didn't fuck with LimeWire too heavy. It was too many viruses on that shit <laughs> but, but you know But we would fuck with you know I mean that was you know, like shit, like you know, Z Share. That was like, you know, yeah. Z Share died so Spotify could live. Like that was the, <laughs> it was the, it was the pre-Spotify. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was just spreading links and everything, man. And and um, yeah, we just felt that we had to show our people, like, listen, we're one of y'all, and so that was something that we always encourage our fans to do. And I think they respected us for that. You know, we didn't want to be like the Metallica of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you feel me? Like, you, you know, you don't want to seem out of touch and shit. It's like suing yeah. your fucking fans. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was, uh, that was the mentality. So it's funny you talk about that, like, like uh, leaking albums and, and then uh, sending out messages about this hidden uh, track and everything, believe it or not. Cause your, your uh, listening album came out like right at i think like the boom of like the whole apple ipod if i'm not mistaken like that's when the ipod mm. i think maybe became more affordable came down in price started getting mass produced 
Apple, you know, was pushing it out there, get, preparing everybody for the iPhone, right? And um, I got a iPod, but one of the last like CDs that I actually went into the store physically purchased was the listening. Um, so I'll, I'll always remember that because after. I got myself an iPod. I, I, I went digital just because, you know what, man, it's fucking easier, you know? <laughs> and because I, you know, we're, we're in our mid 40s. So we're from the days of the 200 uh, CD case logics and uh, trying, on, to, trying, to weave, trying to weave through traffic and change CDs. And this CD and shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> so when I was able to put 5,000 songs on a little fucking thing, like the size of a, you know, pack of gum, I was like, hell yeah, give me that. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's it, it's actually one of the last actual physical CDs that that I purchased. So it's funny you say that, man. There was an interview. Uh, we interviewed my uh, my cousin uh, Tracy McMillan um, Cotton, who's in the doc, and and one of her, you know, things that she was talking about that we didn't get in the doc, but she kind of said something along those same lines of like the listening for her was one of the last albums that she can actually remember where she was when she heard it because it, it you know, if there was tangible, there yes. was, it, it was tangible. It was, you read, was you read the liners, around. you, you, you remember the track names, you, you appreciate the music so much because you actually went in the car, you drove, you bought it, you sit down, you read it, you listen while you're reading it. it it's just, I miss that so much, but you know, yeah, these, man. these are the times now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been back into, um, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, I've been getting more into physical media. I mean, I think, you know, it sounded crazy, you know, five, you know, 10 years ago. But I think now with people are seeing what's happening with streaming and, you know, you just, you know, see your favorite movies just fucking disappear. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think um, with, with music, I've been getting back into just physical stuff, vinyl. I still got like like CDs. It's something, I don't know, it's just something to be said about physically holding something in your hand and or, you know, physically putting a piece of vinyl uh, on a turntable and watching it go around like that just, I don't know, it changes yeah. your relationship to the music and it makes, it you, for sure. makes you appreciate it more. We, we mentioned this a lot, like the physical product gives you an intimacy with the music. And not only that, you become more emotionally and financially invested in said product. You know, music today is disposable. You can listen to an album and be done with it in a matter of a day. But I do remember, and I don't want to keep going back to the listening as much as I started the show saying I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> but, but when we got this record one day yes, in 2003... Sir. Um, I listened to it and I think there was no other record on the turntable the rest of the day because mm, it wow. was it was a sound that many of us were yearning for but it opened up this this new like, I don't want to get corny with these cliches but like like I said earlier you kind of reassured us that hip-hop is still all right you know what I'm saying both of you guys, since 2003 and like you guys put the, the you know your foot on, on the gas for many years after that to the point where i want to ask you almost are you guys do you guys have like a healthy competition with one another like a lot of groups do because you know you dropped sleepers in 05 i think and and uh -huh. and fonte you did uh foreign exchange maybe a year prior oh yeah yeah oh four and i mean and if you think about it the year prior to that is when you drop your debut. So you're constantly putting out new music every year, like you said. 
did you guys have like a healthy competition with one another? Not to like outdo, but like, okay, you got a project. I'm going to go do a project now. Nah, it wasn't that. I, I did sleepers. Like I was always recording because I, I just looked at it like I'm only going to get better if I'm actually doing the work. So, mm-hmm. and I was striving to be way better than what I was. Mm-hmm. And so sleepers came about more. So that was um, big though. Our manager at the time and his whole thing was like, yo, I know you're recording this stuff, but you got to show people you're working like, you know, Fonte did the foreign exchange knife, you know, did the Jay-Z thing and, and, you know, all the other people he's working with now, you got to show you working as well. You can't just wait on the brother. That's how sleepers even came about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more of a, a push. It was more of a, uh, me trying to, you know, get better at my craft and show that this is what I bring to the group. And that's kind of what sleepers ended up being. And I found a appreciation at the time for being a solo artist. Oh my God, yes indeed. Who got the back to give you what you need? Move with speed, legendary MC. Born in VA, transport to NC. One year removed from a classic LP. Two years ago, we started up LB. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm a flow till there's ain't nothing left in me. You got a problem with me, homeboy, step to me. Show you more than verbal weaponry. Cause I walk with her, I talk with her. Remember, Lord, y'all can play your part in her. Everything will be okay. Rap a pool old school like Ellie LaVert singing with OJ. There's no way y'all can lift like me. No proof for rig, no yeah. I got to go and show what I brought to Little Brother because Little Brother is a compromise of musical ideas. And, you know, Sleepers was me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there was, I didn't have to compromise. That was me. You hear any Pooh project, that's me. You know what I mean? When you hear Little Brother project, you're hearing Fonte and Pooh finding the common ground that. between us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I think what makes it work, though, is that you guys, while you are both unique in your own right, you give the listener two different perspectives of things. And and I was reading this, and maybe I don't want to believe everything I read, but The Minstrel Show, which happened the year following 2005, you enjoyed making a Fonte, where, who it didn't sound like you loved that whole process. Now, I don't know if it was the music the time or the label i don't want to assume anything but is that true where you enjoyed you enjoyed it more where rapper poo you were like eh, i'm not i don't it wasn't like the listening where it was more like organic and fun and, and not you know yeah I, for me that was more it like i i don't understand what it is now i didn't understand mm-hmm. what what was happening before but you know the feeling wasn't the same it was like it became more work versus Absolutely. doing the listening. It was just us mm-hmm. having fun. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there was no expectation. There was no internal expectation. There was no outside expectation. It was just, we in here trying to make the best fucking music that we could possibly make. Whereas when it came to the ministry show, okay, we're trying to make the best music we can make, but now we're also trying to prove a point. And God. it started yeah. to feel like work to me along with what we had going on, you know, internally. So 
Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. It didn't. It didn't have the same vibe as. Yeah, the, the yeah the cherry had been picked off the tree. Like it was, you know, there was no longer a thing of, you know, I uh, was saying, you know, you have, what well, you have all your life to make your first record, and you got, you know, six months to make your second one. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was very much, uh, you know, your your first record. You know, we got to make it in obscurity. Like no one knew who we were, and. Then after that, you know, the, the second album comes on top of that. Um, it is, uh, you know, you you having the pressure of you being on a major label. Uh, but for me, you know what I mean? Uh, it definitely was, uh, it definitely was a more, I think we were more hardened around that time. I remember, um, I remember there's a, a part in, in ID's interview, shout out to ID, you know what I mean? In his interview um, that we got for the doc where he was talking about, seeing us when we play CMJ. Um, now that's a fucking blast from the past. Uh, <laughs> you know what CMJ. I mean? Wow. Yeah, we played we play CMJ in New York. Uh, and it was around the time when the, the menstrual show was just, you know, coming out, it was about to come out. And he just talked about how seeing us coming off the bus and seeing us there, he could just tell, he was like, yeah, these are no longer the the guys that, I met in 2002, you know what I mean? Like the, when we was on the high road tour and he's like, nah, those guys, those guys from that tour, like they are dead and gone. Like mm. they're, you know, hardened now, you know? And so I think that was kind of what came through in the music, but in terms, you know, for me making the records, I mean, you know, man, just being in the studio and figuring it out, that's just what I love to do. I just love making music. And, um, I think, uh, for me, I just kind of always had blinders on. Like I, I just couldn't, I'm just like, listen, we can't think about the label. We can't think about nothing else. We just got to make the best shit because my whole thing with the minstrel show, like I'm, I'm a music fan, like above anything else. And I just seen so many of my favorite bands would, you know, be on some underground shit. And then when they signed to a major label, it was the kiss of fucking death. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, they sign to a major and it's like, here we go. Either A, they're going to put out some bullshit. Mm-hmm. If they're lucky, they get to put something out at all. You know what I mean? I had like so many of my homies that, you know, got tied up in major labels and like didn't get to put shit out. You know what I'm saying? So our whole thing with the menstrual show, my idea was just above all else, above record sales, above magazines or ratings or any of that shit. We have to show our fans that we are not going to let a major label change us. The same guys that musically who we were, the same, those same guys that you fell in love with on the listening, we're still the same guys, you know, on the minstrel show. You know what I mean? We, you know, we've grown a little wiser, probably, you know, a little harder, but like we're, we on a major label, but we still going to do us. And that was just something that for me, I was unwilling to compromise on because I knew that had we did that, we would have lost our foundation. We would have lost our base. You are watching UBN. You Black Niggas Network, Channel 94, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Hey 
everybody. I'm your host, Chris Hardwick. Let's start the show. It's like, listen, bro, we came to this major label with, you know, 30,000 fans, 40,000 fans already in the pocket. You know what I mean? We, we, we brought that to the table. If we fuck around and lose them and piss them off, like, nigga, we done. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't, we can't risk that. Our credibility is fucking shot. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to risk losing 40,000 surefire people in hopes that a million people and fucking housewives in fucking Kansas somewhere will buy this. Right? Get the fuck out of here. I'm not thinking about them. You know what I mean? Like, what, that ain't, we don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, to your credit, you succeeded, man, because, uh, you know, when you do the, uh, I was, when, when I, would get an album i do the 20 second test i go through every song for 20 seconds you got 20 seconds to catch me 20 seconds because there were too many fucking records that we would get every week as college djs and the album almost every song caught me and i did not notice any kind of drop off from the listening whatsoever in fact thank you man. yeah it, it, the quad and jay and i kind of debated this on 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 the show before i think it's it's probably better than the listening as far as the songs, but then I'm going to go a step further. We talk about album runs on the show. Mm. We just, we just did where we just did an ice cube uh, tribute. And we talk about his, his three album run. We talk about tribe three album run. I want to talk about you guys, three album run the first three, because I think Chitlin circuit, even though it's set up like a mixtape, I like that better than the other two. <laughs> Thank you, man. And, and I know that you know that might sound crazy, or whatever. But if you think that sounds crazy, listen to that motherfucker again. First of all, think about the producers you have on it. There's a wide array. You had several guest shots on there. I mean, listen, you got Ill Mind on there. You got Young Guru. You got Kanye West. You got Night Songs. You got guest rappers. A whole bunch of people. But you also have a bunch of songs that were just you. You got DJ Flash. You get. I would encourage anyone to give that another listen because it's easy to to, to let that one get lost. But that Thank three you. album run, I'll put that on the very very short list that we talk about on the show often. Thank you. If, All right. If you haven't figured it out by now, Aaron's a, a super <laughs> fan of y'all. So, <laughs> That's uh, love, man. Thank yeah, you. man. Look, facts. the the beauty of the mental show is like you guys telling us the you know what was going on internally you would have never have known it by listening to the music nope. you know Thank and you, and before we move on i gotta ask this question be be honest when you heard elzai's verse did either one of you consider Ooh. rewriting your verses <laughs> nah mine was done and i knew i spit some hard shit so yeah, I, I have a question for you actually on your verse in that song, if you don't mind, yeah. real quick. Tell us about this Dominican Broads chili con queso, man. Was it that was like- me? That was me. Oh, that was me. That was you. Oh, yeah, that was me, but real quick, uh, that, that was that was a um, yeah, that was a cultural error because Dominicans do not make chili con queso. They, they don't, good. but it was, but it was, a, it was a rhyme. I just wanted to rhyme the word, <laughs> and it sounded cool. So I was like, "Fuck it!" But apologies uh, to all my Dominicans. I know y'all don't make chili con queso. <laughs> I know. I ain't another thing, papi. Ooh. 
you know, Which, y'all. Hey, you man, know, every, time, knows, you know? every time I hear that song, every time I hear that song, you get a dose of Elzai kicking it, you guys kicking it, and then I just get hungry because that chili con queso <laughs> rhyme. I was like, damn, that's a fucking, uh, that's like my jam off that album, bro. Yeah. Nah, man, thank you so much, man. Nah, I, I didn't, I mean, I, you know, I was speaking at, you know, but yeah, I, I, I never, I didn't think about like rewriting a verse, you know, because for me, you know, when we did that record, you know, Pooh, he went first, you know what I'm saying? He had his verse and like, he went first and like, you know, I knew that people would want to hear me and L kind of go back and forth. When we did our first kind of feature with, I see now with Kanye and Cons, who had to split the verse with Consequence on that one. Yeah. And so when it came time for this one, I was like, all right, who needs to shine? He needs a whole verse. He, you know, he he split the verse on the on the Kanye record. On this one, he needs his whole piece. You know what I mean? That was my thought. I don't even think I ever even told Pooh that. I don't think I No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but that was my mentality. I, I, I didn't even care. I was just like, I knew, obviously, I'm with Tay all the time. And I knew Elzai, you know, I know he's a beast. And I said, I got to come with the hardest shit I can come up. Because I what a lot of people don't know is during the whole, that beat, right? Mm-hmm. That beat came about, um, we were actually not even recording at the time. Like, we had a little riff, so we wasn't even recording. And I was at Ninth House, and he was making the beat. And I said, we need that shit for the album. Mm-hmm. And and I he was like, you think so? And I fought for that shit. I was like, no, that got to go. So I did all that. I fought for it. I got it on there. I said, I got to come crazy. And mm-hmm. that's all I was worried about. I'm a hell of a problem. Nobody has the answer. Pooh be spread it out like a body of cancer. My stanza, get it going like a car. Usher in the new era like this, y'all. I'm raw, stripped down, no minerals. A distilled MC, no chemicals, no subliminals. A smooth criminal before the rape charge. I shake and bake, bring terror to your squad. My pen's ferocious. I'm so focused, and I pray to God that the world knows this. Exposes flaws in your scheme, dog. Me and Dilla go hard. My my lord, you don't want no problems, problems I'm a nigga that'll solve them, solve them Without a doubt, yeah, I'm in a booth Cold knocking niggas out Tell my tales by word of mouth Yeah, you know me Yeah, yeah, I think for a lot of stuff You know, a lot of people didn't, didn't realize You know, Boo, he really You know, Minstrel Show in a lot of ways Was his coming out party In my opinion I mean, his coming out party And just also just his stepping out party Because for the first album, you know, I mean, we were all learning, but Pooh was really, you know, really learning. Like, I, you know what I mean? He kind of, you know, in the dock, you know, he kind of had, you know, some couple kind of deer in headlight moments, you know what I'm saying? Where he was mm. really just like, oh my God, like what the fuck? So we were really learning. By the time the second album came around, that was when Pooh really, you know, he was starting to come into his own and he wanted more of a say in the group and the way things were going to go. And the record was... 100% better for it. You know what I mean? We needed we needed those records like a hiding place, you know, kind of more of the more the harder, more energetic stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm a I'm a tribe, you know, stand disciple. So, you know, native tongues tribe like, you know, I can stay in just the chill, cool out shit. I can do that all day, but Pooh really was the one that was really bringing that energy and it it kind of accented more of the kind of yin and yang between our styles. 
And um, and that just made for a much better record. Just, a, you know, it, you know, it, it wouldn't have been the same without his input. And so with, with Elzai, for me, man, you know, and, I, and I've talked about this before, but they don't understand it. Like on a guest regular, people know the whole Eminem murdered you on your own shit. Like that was one of the worst. I mean, the, I mean, listen, I mean, Nas is Nas, but. Yeah. That was like one of the worst things <laughs> I think that kind of happened because it just made and it's like it's like, dude, y'all are getting it twisted. It's like if I'm inviting you to guest on my record, I'm setting, I'm throwing you to alley, right? Like I'm setting mm-hmm. it up for you to dunk it. I don't want it, it. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm giving you the the moment to kind of steal the show. That's what you're supposed to fucking do. Like I'm I'm not saving a fucking record. I'm not saving a verse for you to come with some bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, why would I do that? I'm setting you up to, to shine. And so for me, it was just with that verse. When I heard L's verse, I was like, hell yeah. Like this, yes, you know what I mean? And so me and him, we went to the car and we kind of broke our verses up to go back and forth. And he was looking at my shit like, nigga, what? You were? I'm listening to his shit like, what? Nigga, what? And so we went back in the studio, laid that shit. And, um, that was intentional and, and by design. And I think just all we spoke about this on an early interview, but for us, it was always I always looked at records in the whole. It was never about this verse or this beat or this feature. It's all about seeing the big picture and seeing it as a whole. And when having someone like Elon, who is someone that I just, you know, love and respect and just still, you know, just admire. Uh, and uh, just have the utmost respect for it as an MC. It's just like, look, man, this has to be a moment. Fuck who had me. I'm not going to go into a joint trying to battle with Elzai. We going to battle on the same. Like, dude, get the fuck. Like, this shit got to be a jam, dog. Like, we ain't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's got a jam. Like, you know what I mean? If you just want just battle or whatever, I mean, there's other venues and avenues you can do that in. You know what I mean? But when you making a record, this shit got to be a record. And that was always our, that was always our goal. Well, well I, I didn't mean, uh, I wasn't implying that he like murdered y'all, but like, oh, no, know, no, no, as, no, no. yeah, but it was a moment. There were people that said that. They were like, oh man, well, L, you, you got you on it. I'm, we, I'm every not time me L do a record, it's always, okay, I think L got you or I think Tay got it. And I'm like, listen, dude, like it, it, it's, it's great. Like you, I'm thankful that we can, are still at a, a level where we can write at that level and make people debate you know what i'm saying um that was the beautiful thing of it for me and so yeah man that was that was a hiding place came about it, it was a moment and it's one of the, my favorite collabos it's kind of like the feeling i had when i heard az on life's a bitch right Nas, oh man Thank to me you, you know the <laughs> My, my one of the greatest rappers of all time, but that moment was AZ's moment, and I know Elzai was putting in the work, but I feel like that was his coming out party, you know, because wow, man, that that particular record, you had three great MCs on it, and then you have Elzai, who I I want to say I don't know if he was a household name at the time in two thousand five, you know, this was I don't think he is still, and it's yeah. a shame he's uh, criminally underrated. True, but you you know what I'm saying. Like that was kind of like a, relatively an obscure Elzai than than what we're accustomed to today. You mentioned real quick, um, I see now. Can you just and you probably had this story a million times, and I don't really want to hear too much about Kanye, but whatever he was 
uh, persistent about. Like he was a pain in the ass about some vocals. Whatever he did after the fact, do you think he did the right thing? Like, did you ever give thought to to like maybe he had a point? And I don't know what he what he wanted to do, but whatever he did, did it make sense? It did make sense. It did make sense. Um, it it, it did make sense. I, I think um, at that time, uh, you know, it was just he was someone that we talked about before. He was just someone that was just so, um, just so dedicated. You know, he. I mean, in some ways, you know, I, I could I could see some of myself in, and I think we kind of had that similar quality of just kind of being dedicated to the vision and whatever that vision was. It was just surprising. You know, dude, I had a kid. Like, I'm like, bro, I got real life shit to handle, dog. Like, this ad lib in this song, like, nigga, do whatever. I don't care. Like, I got to go pick my kid up from school. I'm going to have to pay this fucking fine, dog. Like, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, um, but looking back on it, yeah, I think it was, I think it definitely was, it was the right call. And it was good to, you know, be in the studio with someone and just see, see his creative process, see kind of how he worked. And, you know what I mean? Just to, get outside because we had been creating me pool and ninth we and our crew we had kind of just been kind of creating in a bubble ourselves which was necessary at that time because we were all developing and i just don't think you can develop with a million eyes on you you know what i'm saying i don't i don't know how well that really works you know but we, we spent a lot of time just in that bubble but when he came when we did the record with yay and cons we kind of saw his process and it was like, okay, it was, it was good just to see another person's process. And that was, that was informative. So um, ultimately, yeah, it was, it was a dope record and shit hard. And I mean, I, you know, still like, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was a fun record. That's what I get out of it. That was when he was having fun and talking shit and it was great, man. That was, that was a great snapshot of time. Just a fun record. Yeah. Thank you, man. And 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 a good ass jam. Like production was on point. That's one of the best songs on chilling circuit. Thank you, man. This man's gonna have a chilling circuit. Uh telling you slept on, dude. Check no revisit that album. Revisit that album. I got it, I got it right here with me now. I I got the whole catalog. So so chilling circuit almost could have been bigger than minstrel on the low. Like we kinda I mean Pook is I think it's better. I'm just saying we kinda had to put the brakes on 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 cotton. Put the brakes on on chilling circuit. Um you know, because it came out, what, 1.5 came out, um, mm-hmm. shit, a month or two before the Ministry Show. And uh, E1, Koch, whatever they was called at the time, um, they they wanted to go up. Like, they wanted to shoot a video, they want, but we knew the Ministry Show was coming, so we, we kind of had to, like, nah, we good. Like, we gonna chill, we gonna chill, because at the time... Um, nobody like me, that was the record. Yeah, nobody like me going up harder than loving it was um at the time and so we kind of had to put the brakes on it just to because we knew our major label debut was coming so um you know thinking back now i mean obviously listen, you listen. Back, you, would have, you would have done things a little differently like but run this shit all the way up goddamn we gonna yeah. see the video <laughs> we can't run no more but you know you live and you learn mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh the mental show got like a four and a half mic rating, but it was never published. Is that correct? No, like, it was published. It, it was published. published. Four and it a was... half? I thought it was a four mic rating, and, and I thought one of the guys quit because of... No, nah, no, nah, he wanted it to be five. He wanted to give it five. And the four and a half was what was published. 
That was the okay. compromise. That well, compromise, I don't, yeah. I don't want to call it the compromise. Com- that was okay. The, okay. <laughs> that was the what we gonna do is, <laughs> and and the whole the whole thing, the whole idea that we heard was basically we wasn't big enough or prominent enough to have a five mic album. Mm. And so it was like, I, we can't, we can't get five. Like we can't just, which sounds funny. We can't justify giving them five, (laughs) not because the music isn't good. They're just not prominent enough. They're not popular Mm. enough. Yeah. At the time that was, uh, that was around the same time. Crazy. As I recall, it was, um, it was around the same time that, um, that Jeezy had dropped, uh, there was Thug Motivation, like his first album, you know what I'm saying? And um, it was just kind of a thing of like, well, we can't give them a bigger rating than Jeezy because that's when Jeezy was like, that was, you know, he was, that was his debut. He was on fire, you know what I'm saying? He was kind of no, the new dude coming into that. Snowman t-shirts everywhere. Right, Snowman t-shirts was everywhere. Like he had this yep. shit on lock. And so, you know, and I think, and I mean, and, and, you know, Thug Motivation, I mean, that's a classic album. That's a classic debut. You know, we just really, we was like, dog, we don't want you to take away nothing from him or no one else that deserves it. Like, if you know, it's, it, you know, we just, you know, just judge us by our own merit, you know what yeah. I mean? And so. Give you what you earned, you know? Yeah, just give me what we earned. That was all well, we asked for. Yeezy never had a rhyme in, uh, of the month in the source, so why I don't get the the point of you guys not being worthy or known or whatever it is for that five mic rating, but yet you got awarded a rhyme of the month. That was the compromise, you know. What mm-hmm. I mean, like it was it's all it's all source politics, you know. It yeah, and this this was the Benzino era. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna drop the B word. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny too when you watch the documentary. Like the source is what brought you all together to to an extent, right? That you talk about Absolutely. being in like the mess hall or something, hanging out in the uh, cafeteria, and yeah, it was uh, in the lobby of our, of yeah. our dorm, just in the commons area. Yep, yep. On your tour buses. Everyone always that I speak to they're on tour buses, they have like different vibes that they listen to music. I know Fonte, you're a huge eighties dude. Obviously you did that album uh in like two thousand eight. Uh, are you an eighties guy, Pooh? I know you're like two or three years younger, so I don't wanna be you know I'm I'm a year younger than Tay. Now I'm 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 a whatever sounds good to me guy. So like, you know, and I credit um Fonte with this a lot. Uh we actually had a radio show in college. Mm-hmm. And on our radio show, we played no hip hop, no R mm. and B. So I was I was introduced, and I agreed to that because it, I was introduced to a lot of music I probably would have never heard of mm. otherwise. And Give us a flavor of what the playlist was like. Beck, yeah, um, I played Beck shit. I play, um, God, man, I Beck. I was a big Beck Radiohead. Mm. Um, Bjork. Uh, I was bumping a lot of like Bjork at that time. I was bumping Shadow Record. It was a uh, it was the remix of I Miss You. Um, it was on the Telegram record. I used to run that shit. That shit was hard. Um, yeah, Air. I was bumping like Air. That was when the um, Cherry Blossom. Cherry Blossom Girl. Yeah, it was that album. The Moon Safari. I was running. I was running that. Um, God, man. Um, I that's think it, made him, it was that, but it was that kind of vibe. It was that kind of shit. And and we're Stereo Lab. I run, yeah, all that shit. Yeah, we're we're at a HBCU, a black college and university, mm-hmm. and this is what we're playing on 
our campus radio. <laughs> how, pe- how do people respond to that? In the era, with of, it. In yeah. the era of no limit. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, they, they no mystical, no mystical on this show. Nah, nah, uh, nah. But but it 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 expanded, you know, my musical palette, and um, that's something that to this day I always appreciate it. And so for me, like you know, I know you was talking about the tour bus on the tour bus. It was, I mean, you can play whatever. I, really, the the main system because by this time everybody had this man's or iPods or whatever so you could go into your own little bubble yeah. what, what the main system on the tour bus mainly was for was demos okay man because we were we had a basket that we had a basket and so every night no matter who was in the tour party you would end up with demos sometimes we had doubles but you would get demos and we would all toss the demos in the basket. And we would just, when it was time to put the big system on, we pull the demo basket out and we would go through demo. We would go through people's projects and most of them ended up giving that 20 second test that Wade was talking about. (laughs) We went went a little longer than 20, you know, Okay, (laughs) and you know, a lot of them turned into Frisbees. (laughs) <laughs> like, of course which ones caught you um cat out of uh st louis vandalism um we ended up working with him um was that the only one yeah that was, it might have been yeah that might have been it dog i mean i can't <laughs> i remember yeah, him. yeah motherfuckers was not good that whole basket <laughs> yielded one one rapper one. yeah that we that we worked with that I okay. know that we that we reached out to and we ended up working with was vandalism. Um, other than that, man, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of trash on that thing, man. And I hope we ain't crushing nobody's dream. No, no, hey, the <laughs> fact the but, fact that you even gave them gave them your 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 attention, I'm sure is appreciated. In fact, I'm I'm wondering, is that like a common practice that that you know other groups or rappers do when they're on tour and they get their hands on demos? They have like a you know, okay, close your eyes, pick one, put it in, and let's let's take a listen. Or it's something that you guys just kind of made organically as you're on the road. Yeah, yeah, that was organically. Yeah, man, that that was yeah. definitely organic because you know, I just, for me, I just always looked at it. You know, uh, Amir, you know, uh, Quest, you mm-hmm. know, he was the person that you know took our demo and mm-hmm. listened to it, and that yeah. just you know really changed everything. And so. I just always, I, I mean, still now, I'm still very curious. You know, I keep my ear to the street. I keep, I'm always looking for who's next or just not even who's next, but just always looking for talent and looking for just, you know, amazing, you know, singers, rappers, vocalists, you know, producers, whatever. And um, yeah, I, I just always thought of like, man, you know, I, I saw, we saw, we were living proof of just how mm-hmm. one person can make the difference between you getting exposure or just kind of languishing in 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 obscurity, you know what I mean? So we always want to give people that chance. It's like, yo, it, it could be somebody that's raw, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, we caught a couple, but the majority of them they were not raw. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we still listened nonetheless and gave it a shot. Do you guys judge people on their musical taste? Absolutely. I figure. <laughs> I, I, I figure Fonte more than Pooh. <laughs> that's right. I I really don't. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't even really discuss 
talk music a lot. Like I, I judge you on your sports knowledge. <laughs> like that's that's okay. That's where I'm. Yeah. Your, your your food. That's cool your, all day. I judge you more on your palate, your your actual food palate yeah. than I do okay. on your taste. Yeah, if you're a fan of Hennessy, who hates you? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, you yeah. mentioned the sport thing. There's there's so many similarities to like Fife and, and and Tip. Like Tip is like a music student, you know, like to keep to himself and whatnot. And and then Fife is the fun loving sports guy. And that's kind of how I pegged you two by after listening to your music all these years. Like if I have a Super Bowl party, Fonte's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm in the lab working on a, on an album. And Pooh's like, yeah, I'm bringing Doritos and, and let's let's have some fun. <laughs> God damn, ain't, no, ain't, ain't nothing going down on Super Bowl day. But Super Bowl, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like the only music I care about is the halftime show. If it's somebody I want to hear. <laughs> but am I right a little bit? Like the similarities are, are, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to admit this because we're talking about like, you know, obviously, you know, Nah, legendary nah. but it's it's, it's definitely nah, head it's on. Um, yeah that, that's something you know rest in peace that me and fife connected on you know mm. was that you know we both definitely had a love and you know a love for sports um so you definitely you know you got that right Nah, that's definitely that's definitely true um you know uh i i remember this was last year we were doing we were on a you know my family was going on a trip we're on road trips, me, my wife, and um, and the boys, and um, we would take turns like playing albums in the car. You know what I'm saying? So like we would all kind of pick an album, and it's like okay, you know, you know, play something. You know what I mean? It, it could be whatever, any album that means something to you, like anything. Like but we gonna mm-hmm. all listen to it together. And so uh, the album that I picked was Midnight Marauders because uh, I want mm-hmm. to just play it for them, for them to hear it. I'm just like, yo, this is. The perfect the album. album. When I was 14 years old, this shit changed my fucking life and blew me away. You know what I mean? And so I played it for them, and they were like, they had never heard. I mean, they probably heard me playing it around the house as kids or whatever, but that was the mm-hmm. first time they took it all top to bottom. And so I played it for them, and um, I was like, yeah. So what was some of your favorite joints? He was like, yo, the one, the 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 one, like, yeah, the uh, the electric some electric relaxation they were like yeah that was yeah i like and i was like man so i hit q-tip i hit tip i texted tip and i was just like yo bro just letting you know man um i played midnight marauders for my boys i sent them a picture me and the boys i said man you know i i played the record for them today and um they it blew them away just like it blew me away 30 years ago and um I just want to let you know, man, like your your lessons are still resonating. Like, thank you for just, you know, being a teacher, you know what I mean, for us. And he was like, ah, oh, bro, that's beautiful, man. Thank you. And that was it. And I'm like, yep, that's tip. That's me. Like, <laughs> he just in his own world. And it's just, that's it. Yeah. So yep. yeah, the tip and fight with me and Pooh is very... I, I think it is. Um, it, it is a lot of uh, a lot of truth to that. A lot of similarities. So Pooh, who you got in the Super Bowl, man? I'll, whoever, whoever, um, my prop bets uh, tell me I got. <laughs> <laughs> how many times? How many times are they gonna show Taylor Swift on screen? Over under like twenty. Man, I hope. It, I hope it's. I hope it's under five. But yeah, yeah. It's Amen to that. Be, it's probably gonna be about eight to ten. Yeah, <laughs> at least. Duke, Duke, North Carolina. Who do you side with? Maryland. 
Shut up, really? Yeah, I, 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 I pray they both lose every day, every time they play each other. So do I. <laughs> so do I. All right, since we're since we're picking things, we can do a, a game of pick one. I wanna I wanna know though before we do that, Fonte and Pooh, what is your favorite Tribe Called Quest album? Midnight Marauders. Yeah, Midnight. Yeah. All right, because to me, good. there's there's two kind of people in this world. There's those that like Low End Theory and those that like Midnight Marauders. Kind of like those who like Death Certificate and those who like America's Most Wanted. And there's no right or wrong answer. And they're all classics. Yeah, you know? I think it just depends on your age. Like, is this some ageism kinda... shit? Come on. Oh, yeah. Hey, no, Andre, it's welcome. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. What up, Ted? What up, bro? I mean, that was what I kind of saw. I mean, because, you know, if you talk to, you know, like Amir and like his, you know, he's, you know, old enough. So he's like, you know, in his 50s. So his generation they swear by like low end is the one for them like they like right. you can't say right. you can't say shit about low end to them and it's like for us it's like yo low end I mean amazing of course you know what I'm yeah. saying but just for me at the time you know midnight when I heard that I was just like oh my god you know like how are they sounding so musical and yeah. they not you know playing instruments like this this shit sounds amazing but then even beyond that, like Beats, Rhymes, and Life, that was an album I didn't realize people didn't like until I got on the internet. You know what I mean? I was like, y'all had problems with this? Like, this shit was hard. And it was it was different. I mean, I, you know, from what it came before, and I think it reflected kind of, um, you know, I mean, this is a post-Big and Tupac hip-hop. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So the the just, the, I think just the the... the the feeling of it was a lot heavier and not as kind of carefree as, as some of their earlier work. But nigga, I go up for beats, rhymes, and life. Like, I mean, there's not a tribe album that I don't like. You know but the I problem mean? is, Midnight is actually a perfect record. I mean, it's, it's I still, yeah, I, I still like Low End because it it, it was a breakthrough and it, it was right. very different from so many ways. But you know, w- when you had the first Tribe album towards the second one, I mean, the second one was just such a pivotal moment that kind of moved it in a different direction. So it, it meant more to me. But but Midnight is a perfect fucking record. I mean, it's it's kind of like the uh, Ice Cube argument of America's yeah. Most was so monumental, even though people like, uh, you know, his second album better. Definitely give is one of my favorite albums. We, we all are. All time, any genre. But we always say because Ice Cube came from one of the most amazing groups of all time and had no home, and then the Bomb Squad took him in, it is a whole different thing that America's Most was this breakthrough that really set Ice Cube to this next level and allowed him to kind of catapult into film, uh, catapult in, you know, into writing. America's Most became, to me, you know, it was, it was preaching, man. That was church to me. It was a brilliant album, and you know, with the bomb squad bringing him in, I think the thing that resonated most to me with Death Certificate was that he formed his own bomb squad. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that was, you know, what I mean, like he took the lessons he learned from right. America's Most and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna get with Jinx and KD." And, right, you know, but do you know, take the original cool. and Lynch then Mom. say like the mimicking is just as good? You know, to me, the original. Well, it wasn't the even mimicking. I don't think it was mimicking. I think it was a step up. Like it was. It, I, wasn't, just, it wasn't just mimicking. He was. Hey, just, let's just say this. Thank God for <laughs> sampling back then. You know what I mean. Absolutely. It was like, oh, that made everything good. That was the fucking icing, man. <laughs> right. 
The but days I, of gorilla sampling, amazing. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Having a feature film out at the same time also helped, you know, because it, it almost, even though there was a soundtrack to Boys in the Hood, Death Certificate sounded like a soundtrack that you would hear during that time in that movie. Like, Man, that Death was, Certificate was a fucking, Death Certificate was a screenplay, dude. Like, that was, that was for me, like, what was you saying, Pooh? I was like, yeah, that was that was a you listen to that album and you that's a movie. That's an yeah. audio, that's an audio movie. I'll I'll ask one question now, because of what you okay. guys just said. So would you take Death Certificate or would you take It Takes a Nation a Million and say, like, what movie would you want to see? Death Certificate. These guys that's are my a- age. Yeah, I'm gonna go with mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Death. I mean, it's I mean, listen, that is whew, I mean, that's a tough one, but because they're Two different movies, but I think it's okay. I think Before, the thing with, with Chuck D and with, with Nation of Millions, I mean, well, I'm sorry, yeah, with Nation of Millions, I mean, again, beautiful album, amazing. Just you know, their college courses on that fucking album. I mean, that shit is mm-hmm. a masterpiece. I think lyrically, it was a lot of stuff that you didn't really, at least for me. I mean, I was like eight when that record came out, so like, yeah, you know what I mean. So hearing Chuck D, you know, supporter of Chessamard. I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, it wasn't until, you know, I had to talk to my aunt. Like, who is he talking about? But that makes you kind of go in and and dive. You know what I'm saying? That's it makes you dive, the but, with, but with goddamn, but on goddamn. It was hard to dive one. back then. Now it's true. There was no internet. I got it. Look, it wasn't no deal. But then on death, but you compare that to death certificate to you compare support of Chesamard to, you know what I'm saying? To the neighborhood snitches, Miss Parker, yeah. Little Joe, and Ty Bridges. I was like, <laughs> what? To the corner house bitches, Miss Parker, Little Joe, and Ty Bridges. Like, you just just said his name as a crack. And you knew Todd Bridges. (laughs) Yeah, I knew Todd Bridges. I watched the video. I was like, yo. You you talking about Willis? (laughs) You wild for that shit. (laughs) Listen, his writing was amazing. I think it's it's absolutely an age thing. That's what resonates with you at that time. I mean, you know, like, Andre's 74 years old. So, yes, like, <laughs> uh, he, he he grew up listening to, like, Richard Pryor. We liked Eddie Murphy, right? I can't yeah, imagine yeah. you guys didn't grow up listening to Eddie Murphy. He was your your guy, you know? So it's it's all in, in, in the age. And I think that's why, for us in the 40s, Death Certificate is, is the album, the same way Midnight Marauders is the album. But since we're mm-hmm. picking albums, let's do a few. Both of you guys answer. Pick one. Iron Man or Supreme Clientele? Dang. Yo. I, I think... Fuck, man. That's a hard one for me. Yo, I'm a... Yo, I, okay. For If you ask me that question, you know, a year or two, or any, any time, like 10 years ago, I would... Supreme Clientele, Supreme Clientele, just top to bottom. Like, I would have been that. I actually ran Iron Man in the gym the other day. Sometimes I feel Yo, man. Hmm. When he got the motherless child, bruh. Oh, my that, God. That was, that was the one. Whoo. Yeah. There's so. a lot of discussion. There's no answer. Yeah, I would say, because I would say there's nothing I skip. I would say there's nothing, like, the, I would say that the highs on Supreme Clientele may be higher than the highs on, you know, I mean, because, like, Buck 50 is one of my favorite Wu-Tang songs, period. Like, mm-hmm. just in the whole catalog like buck 50 is like fuck what you talking about buck 50 dog like but like i skipped the, the stroke of death joint like that i can't i just 
I can't do it. I, I've tried. I can't. I, I, I can't do it. There's so it nothing sounds, I skip on Iron Man. Like nothing. So it sounds like Iron Man. I, Iron Man is like the the album that Supreme may have better songs, but Iron Man is the better overall album. Album, one hundred percent. For me, it just changes, but it's it's probably it's probably Iron Man. I think it had. I think it it, it was definitely the better album. Okay. All right, check this one. Being from the South, guys, this this is an important one. So, what is it? Aquimini. Oh, the Southern easy. Cadillac. Southern oh, Aquimini. For me. All right, thank That's God. Easy. It's mm. It's AT Aliens for me. Wow. Ooh, All right. Okay. So see, it ain't age. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> that's where I was at right there. So I was like, if they don't say Equimini and they even want to say like, you know, AT Aliens, then it, it's another thing. So that, that's good. I'm actually here, glad to hear that. But Equimini is the fucking shit. I would say yeah, Equimini over Southern Playlistic, but AT Aliens is my favorite Outcast album. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm a, southern, I'm a southern playlistic guy and i love i love that album same 94 to me is you know one of the greatest years all right so i'm gonna mix it up not do all music but let's let's keep it a little fun the empire strikes back or return of the jedi Nigga, they all the same star wars movie <laughs> like fuck out of here tell you what you just say I've never seen a Star Wars movie. Man, my fucking man right there. These motherfuckers make fun of me because I'm like, yo, I don't have the cap on today, man. Wait a second. I, I, I get a, a couple of them, but yo, you guys are so into this shit. It's a 45, you've never seen, you never seen a Bro, Star Wars I'm, movie? Man, I'm not like a sci-fi. Like, I've never Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry mm-hmm. Potter, Avatar. Uh, I don't watch none of that shit, dog. That, that's <laughs> completely separate than Star Wars. You're talking about Harry Potter. Did I'm just saying, I mean, called- anything with a franchise, like, I just don't really do <laughs> anything with, like, magical white people. Like, I just ain't. <laughs> hey, Tay, you want to join this podcast, bro? I, I'm not watching that shit. Like, I'm just Tay, like, I want you to join this podcast, dude, because magical I'm the fucking white people. <laughs> I want pixie I'm, dust and shit. Fucking David Copperfield. I don't think I've ever seen a full Star Wars anything. Hold on. Mine's fucking blow. First of all, Fonte, you got a song called Jedi Code, right? With with Jay Electronica. <laughs> and you've never seen a goddamn Star Wars movie? I didn't name that song. Star Wars, that, that whole Star Wars shit, that's ninth shit. Like, I, that's them, that Jedi uh, shit. Look, I ain't never watched none of that shit, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Next. Don't break my heart in this one. <laughs> you, you, better, you better answer. Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm? Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ass, ass, Larry. Ass is not ass. Ass fucking ass, Larry. No, stop. That's what the fuck I do, Larry. Well, you don't have to tap every ass. Do you? You have to tap every ass. What the fuck are we gonna do right now? What do you mean we? I'm just gonna fuck somebody up. So I, so I will be real. I will be real with you. I hope this ain't too heartbreaking. Like, so I never watched Seinfeld. Just didn't. It just again. Just it's just too white. Too just. I'm just. Uh, There's the guy who had a radio show dedicated to Beck and Bjork. You, yeah, you did. yeah, but I mean, but that's like, but that's like artsy, you know. That's like artsy, eclectic uh, white, like to Seinfeld. That's like New York, like that's just again. I don't know. It was just that sensibility. I'm just like I did. Yeah. I'm from the south. I'm like, yeah, this shit don't. This this ain't for me. Yeah, but I can hear that. I watched the um last year. I watched the they had like. Uh, they did the lead in on HBO where like I think it was after Insecure or something and they would show Curve and I just let the TV run and, and I watched the episode of Curve. It was season 11. Man, mm-hmm. me and my wife, oh my God, we love that fucking show. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I ran the fuck out of it. And so 
now, you know, he's on his last season. We started watching that. But, yeah, it Curb is fucking hilarious, man. And Larry David gets away with shit that only he can do. Like, yeah. only he can do. Like, well, he has episode. a good assist, too, man. There's a good assist on the show, you know? So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, the episode where, like, he went to the Holocaust Museum and was trying on shoes and shit. I'm like, shit, yeah. dude, like, flagrant. I'm like, yo, y'all are so out of bounds with this shit. But, it's, uh, but oh, he, he can, can do, do it. it so. He can do it. Nah, that shit is hilarious. Happy New Year. <laughs> Balloon mind state or stakes is high? Stakes. Stakes is high. Ooh, okay. disagreement there. You would have played Balloon Mindset on that fucking show of yours. I don't know what it was no, called. You know but... what? Yo, Balloon man, that's a, honestly an album. I probably didn't listen to Balloon in full. Honestly, probably till a couple years ago. Like I don't know because Balloon was what ninety three. Yep. Yes, ninety three. It was just one of those albums at that time. It just kind of slipped through the cracks for me. I, I don't. I don't know. And I was. I mean, huge De La fan. Love Break of Dawn. Love Ego Trip. All that. But just that album, just I don't know. It just kind of, yeah, it just kind of slipped through the cracks at that time. I don't know. Wow, this may be the most revealing interview you guys have ever done. I don't think people are gonna. <laughs> Holy shit! But 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 wait, it gets worse. <laughs> worse. Since you mentioned Todd Bridges, did you like Different Strokes or Good Times? Man, don't don't lie now. Don't no, don't no, try no. to be hard. I know I like, like I know I, you I, like no, Drummond. I, this this I'm this is not even a light thing. I preferred good times because I didn't I didn't really the whole you know the old white Friends. man got the yeah. two black kids thing that kind of like was like weird to me. Yeah, kind of like human trafficking a little bit. It was very, <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. but even even with good times, yeah. I preferred it, but that show pissed me off too, because I'm like, yo, these motherfuckers can't catch a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're going to be in the hood forever. They're going to be in Cabrini Green forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. But Damn. They lasted longer. A lot of the a lot of the different strokes cats, they all got fucked up and, and died early. And, nah, and, man. Yeah, the different strokes cat. Like, I mean, even the fact that, you know, Todd Bridges, back to that, like, no one would have told me that he would be the last person the last kind of standing. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? That's pretty um, wild. Yeah, so I was right. I would definitely go. With, I would definitely go with good times. Different strokes was. I mean, it was cool. It was funny. Flo- and Florida Evans was the true villain. Mama, couldn't we at least let Black Jesus hang alongside? Forget it. The only Jesus I know is him, and the one thing he don't need is a partner. Who is the gooch? The gooch. The gooch. He man. was what the bully. He was the bully. No, I'm saying, but I know, but like, who really was the gooch? They never showed that. Oh. Man. Oh. Uh, shit, the goose yeah, I, was Florida Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Love Flo. If we, if we let Drake continue, he's going to go to Fat Albert next, which is going to ding him. <laughs> now, nah, that was before my time. Yeah, I well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. that, was, that was teenage years for Drake. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dre had the little Nickelodeon machine. He had the crank and watch fucking <laughs> cartoons in the morning. I do have that 16 millimeter camera. I won't lie. Oh, shit. Tears for Fears or REM? Tears for Fears. Yes. Songs from the Big Chair is a great album. I I guess Tears for Fears. I don't know. No. <laughs> Do I know any REM songs? I don't know. I don't. I mean, Losing My Religion, Everybody yeah. Hurts. Um, they arrested a song with him. I guess. <laughs> yes. They arrested a song with Michael Stipe? Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Was it on that Heel album or something? Like, I, I no, it, it, I think it was on Out of Time. Yeah, Out of Time. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was on an REM album. What are you saying? What are you playing? Who are you obeying day after day in? Huh? Baby, 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 that stuff is driving me crazy. DJs communicate to the masses. Sex in violent classes. Now our children grow up prisoners all their life. Yeah, yeah. weird. Of course. Never heard weird. of it. I completely right. missed that development. We'll, we'll bring it back to 94. Illmatic or Resurrection? Illmatic. Mm-hmm. I'll probably go with Illmatic. I would I would probably go with Illmatic as the album. Um, but if we talking lyrically, like for me, oh, like it's lines I'm still catching off Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like, Favorite line off there. Gee, where do I start? Um, I'm just trying to think. I stagger in the gathering, possessed by a pattern that be staggering over my vocals. My vocals be traveling and raveling my abdomen. I mean, it was just, it was, was I, I would say like, it was a dense record. Like, lyrically, it was a lot. Like, he was packing in a lot of like punchlines and references and plays on words. Like, that shit was. It was it, it was a lot in that record, um, but yeah, I was, as far as the album, I mean, yeah, I would say like Illmatic. That was um, that fucked us all up. Like that that record came out, and I mean, even in the south, like all my the older homies I hung with, like in high school, I was a freshman, and all my homies that were seniors, they was putting me on, and I was listening to that shit like, oh wow, like yeah, he he rapping for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now nah, that record are you are you that. guys both uh, in agreement that 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 Illmatic's the best rap record ever recorded? No, no, no. What do you think no. is? I don't know, but it ain't that. I wouldn't say. I don't know if I would say best rap record. I would say, okay, I would say this: Illmatic gets the rap as the best debut. And I'm like, and, I, and you can argue that, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, I can, I ain't going to bang with you on it. Mm-hmm. For me, best debut, and also one of the best rap records recorded, Doggy Style, bro. Mm. Like, mm. Doggy Style. Like, people don't understand, like, that record, you know. Does that, does that hit you commercially? What, uh, Doggy Style? Yeah. Nah, it's, it's that not shit hit everywhere. Ain't no, yeah, man, that shit was a fucking jamming ass album. Man, my mama used to mm. play that shit. <laughs> that was the, that was Again, the first CD I ever owned was Doggy Style. My mom bought me a stereo yeah, for my birthday. Wow. The Kevin story. With a, with a three disc, three disc, uh, CD changer, three CD, yeah, whatever. And, uh, two, two tape deck, right? Dual tape deck. Uh-huh. And she was in the store and she was deciding between Tevin Campbell and Snoop. And her boyfriend at the time <laughs> said, wow. her boyfriend at the time said, don't Cam- get that boy Tevin Campbell. So she got the Snoop <laughs> album because she loved Gin and Juice because it was on the radio. And yeah. she loved What's My Name. So she bought it for me and she was like, yo, play my song. Now my mom, cursed like a sailor, only heard radio versions. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... He was like, "Yo, put my song on." Uh huh. Yeah, she ain't like she ain't, she ain't, she ain't like the she ain't like it. Yeah, she ain't hadn't heard the album version of them. Nah, but but <laughs> so Snoop Doggy Style was my first CD, and it was the original pressing with G's and Hustlers on it. Yep. Yes, the facts. You had to have that. Oh, did 
Did they re-release it without that song? I didn't even know yeah, that. They yeah, they took it off. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I think they recently now is they just back. put it back up on streaming, but it was it was a uh, sample sample clearance. It was uh, an Isaac so Hayes sample. So it was still listed on mm. CDs, but it was not on the CD. Hmm. So the so, boom, 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 that right there, they didn't clear it. Nah, it nah. was the boom, 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 It was the Isaac Hayes shit. I can't remember the name of the song, okay. but it was the Isaac Hayes sample. Like, you know, your bitch chose me. <laughs> so you both agree that was the the biggest debut album. But what gun to head would you consider your favorite album? Rap hip-hop. album? Yeah, yeah. Rap album. Hip hop. Gun to head. Pick one. Um, I mean, honestly, bro, I probably uh, probably death certificate. Mm, that's a good answer. Either death certificate or midnight. I mean, you know, it's either one. You know, yeah. either depending on the day. But yeah. For me. And you said AT aliens, Pooh? AT aliens. Like, when, like, no hesitation. Like, that's it. When anytime before I start working on a record or a project, I have a handful of albums that I listen to. I end up throwing others in as I go along, mm-hmm. but I always start with America's Most, AT aliens, and those two are definites. Those are locks. I that's always crazy. listen to those before I start. Yeah. So the and so AC- the cover of Left Back, that's a flip on the Outcast logo. You're paying paying homage to those boys. Absolutely, man. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah man. Cast was um, and and they were a group that again, man. Like you know, they were really outside of Southern Playlistic. Southern Playlistic, I think, was um, it was kind of an instant kind of thing. It was easily you know digestible. I mean, it was it had ball to wall hooks. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying it was. And it was just a very, it was just a funky ass album, you know what I mean? Um, AT Aliens was AT Aliens. I'll be real, man. AT Aliens was a slow burn for me. Like mm-hmm. I remember going to the, they had a midnight sale um, uh, at, at my record store in my city, and it was record exchange. And so I went and you know we went and bought AT Aliens because Elevators was the single. That shit was everywhere. I mean that shit was a monster. And talk but about that a slow album, song too. Yeah, that really song slow. Is slow, yeah. Yeah, man. So it was like AT Aliens was a minute. It, 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 you know, it was it was a slow burn. But then my record off AT Aliens was uh, the Thirteenth Floor Growing Old. Like mm. that was the one mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, okay, now I get it. But um, but Outkast, man, they just to me, uh, for me, if we talking greatest duos of all time, I mean, I, I mean, what are we talking about? They had both the artistic credibility. And they also had, you know, the sales records. Like they really got the best of both worlds, and um, you yeah. know, they just are just amazing, man. Did either of you guys ever meet Organized Noise? I interviewed. We interviewed them on Questlove Supreme. Okay, this was last year. And what was and kind of the highlight of that? Man, it was a three-hour highlight. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. man, that shit was crazy. But just, from like uh, your perspective, you know, being an artist. Uh, I, what were some of the things you wanted to kind of know, uh, you know, as far as how they went about the process? I think what I saw with them was the value of a production team and how everybody played a different role. So in, in, in the, in the, uh, the, 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 the interview is up, it's up, you know, if anyone wants to go check it, it's uh, the organized noise episode of Questlove Supreme that's on YouTube and all the, wherever you get podcasts from. 
But um, I saw they've talked about kind of each person's role. So Ray is the drum machine God. Like he's drum machine sample. He's really like the beat guy of the of of them. Um, Sleepy is the songwriter. You know what I'm saying? He's the one. He's doing the hooks. He's like helping kind of arrange and stuff. And then Rico is the traffic cop. He's mm-hmm. the one, you know, that's kind of like, okay, this is going to go to TLC. This is going to go, we're going to do this one on big. All right, we're going to give this one to Sleepy. Like, you know, he was the one that was kind of orchestrating in that way. And um, I thought it was really informative and really just instructive of how now more than ever, you really do need a team, especially the production game now. Like some of the stories I hear from producers, right. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So who was the Quincy Jones kind of orchestrating like the live players? Um, If I recall correctly, I think that was, I mean, that may have been, I think that was Rico. I don't know well, if I remember. I mean, I think they all maybe played a role in it, but um, Rico was, as I understand it, he was kind of the orchestrator, if I remember correctly. Bring back horns, man. I miss that shit. Earth, wind, and fire <laughs> horns. Bring that shit back, man. There's nothing like that in hip-hop. Bring it in. I think um, I think they were kind of like the southern bomb squad when you think about it. That's 100%. Yeah. Or the southern soul Aquarians. I mean, either kind of same vibe. But, yeah, man, Organized Noise, they were um, – I mean, that was just a master class. Like, listen to those records. It, it was something that – uh, it really resonated to us in the South because it was just so musical and, you know, it was still hip hop, but it, it just, it was, it was soul food. I mean, not, you know, to quote the album, but it really felt like soul food and they were just a huge influence on me, man. Still, still to this day. For me, just learning that they had musicians in there playing things when it didn't, when I thought it was just, you know, sampling and drum yeah. machine. But it was actually them bringing in, man, that blew my fucking mind. Because of how they, it, you knew it felt warm, <laughs> like instruments, but it still had that dirt on it mm. that didn't feel like instruments. And that was just genius level shit they was doing. And it's yeah, to make like them- if you would have told me, like, if you would have played Spodiote with no vocals and been like, yo, this is a fucking, you know, a fucking Sly and Robbie, <laughs> you know, dub plate from... <laughs> 85 or so shit, you know what I mean? Like you, I mean, it was, nah, man, that, that, that equipment, that's why it's my favorite album of theirs. Like that yeah. shit was amazing. No, but it's, it's like to let them learn how to play live, but sound like a sample that, that mm-hmm. there's an art in that, you know? And I think quest was the first, you know, with the roots to do it, but I, I definitely think it was perfected by, uh, by organized for sure. Nah, for sure. How deep does your Southern love go? You know, I like, I, I we have rappers on the show that like, you know, like, outcasts but they may not dabble in like eight ball and mjg or ugk and you're from you're from vas like originally right yeah and and i i get it i mean you still have the southern roots there but like maybe you had more uh exposure to maybe say east coast stuff right because you're like in the dmv area I i don't know maybe it's slightly different for you fonte but how deep does that southern root really go with hip hop for you guys um, it, it don't go deep as most for me, but it goes, mm-hmm. I definitely know, respect, love, ball and G. 
Mm-hmm. I definitely, the underground kings are just that. Underground fucking uh, Chopping Blades is my fucking favorite UGK song. Um, I love Tila. You know what I'm saying? Show sure enough for Forever Jam. You know? So, forever. Time 1995. <laughs> like, so I, you know, I, I know a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I definitely went past cast. You know what I mean? Like, that's my favorite group ever. But I, I went deeper than that. Just because at the end of the day, like, we love music. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I, I would hear something and then that would lead me to something else. And then that would lead me to something else. And my theory is always, if that shit jamming, then I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Here I'm paying attention. Here. I'm tuned in. And so, it, you know, I don't get super deep into the Texas culture or super deep into the, you know, I don't get down in the Florida with it, you know, super deep. But it definitely goes deeper than just what we heard on the radio. Yeah. Um, for me, man, it was really uh, like where we grew up, where I grew up in Greensboro. It was the South, but it was very much a college town. So we had like a lot of, um, it was a melting pot. And the thing I always, you know, tell people about where we grew up, you know, and where I grew up in Greensboro, you know, man, the South, like the, where we're at, like kind of the mid Atlantic region versus like the deep South. Those are two completely different energies, man. Like just Mm -hmm. two, because, you know, in, in our, in, in where we were, you had a, a, it was a heavy up North influence because it was, you know, right along the, you know, the 85, you know, corridor. So you had just a lot of transplants coming from college. You know what I'm saying? You had, you know, hustlers that was, you know, in and out of town, you know, bringing their music, you know what I mean? So it was, um, it was a, a, a far bigger, even though we were in the South, it was a far bigger uh, Northern influence than, would have been in Louisiana or Alabama or Mississippi, you know what I mean? So you weren't you weren't getting that Miami bass sound or any of that Atlanta bass so, sound? So interesting. So we got the Miami bass stuff, but the Miami bass stuff that was like the party stuff. So like, you know, anytime well, at a party, you would yeah. play, you know, fucking any loop record um, I want to rock with you know that shit will go crazy. Uh, Scarred, of course, will go crazy. Um, Magic Mike, he had a record actually. Magic Mike had a record called Feel the Bass that yeah. they would play yes. on the radio. Yes, I remember I mean? that. That record would feel the feel the feel, feel the, the bass. bass. Feel, feel the, the bass. 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 Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> so like that that would get run. So you had those kind of records. It was almost kind of a. Um, uh, not, I don't want to say it wasn't a novelty. It was very, it was kind of specialized. It was college for sure. Stuff. Yeah, the Magic Mike stuff. That was for all the homies that had like subs in they in they <laughs> trunk and shit. Mm-hmm. And so they would run that shit. That, so so, was, so everybody, <laughs> because yeah. that shit was everybody. Everyone took yeah. the seats out, you know. Right. You know who, like, no, for real, it was the, the no. Base listen, we grew up with that shit. The, you know, you yeah. had no back yeah. seat. Nah, bro, it's like straight up. And it was, and to that point, it was very much with the bass music. It was more so car culture than it was, say, hip-hop culture. You know what I mean? I mean, of course it was hip-hop and all love and respect, all that. But just where we were, the people that were into, like, the heavy bass stuff, they were more car dudes than they were dudes that wanted to rap. You know what I mean? So the Southern stuff for me... I, you know, we, I, I grew up around it. I was experienced to it, but I really didn't get schooled, schooled to it until I came to college in, uh, in 97. And, um, 
my, I had a buddy of mine, my homie, uh, uh, Tex. He, we used to call him Tex. He was from Texas. And um, we went to school together. And uh, he would started putting me up on, you know, ESG, Lil Kiki, um, you know, what, you know, the guys that, you know, Swisher House, um, Fat Pat. Um, big pokey, like all he really put me on to all that back then. I was like, oh mm. shit, you know, DJ DMD, twenty five lighters. Um, I mean, just that whole that album, the um, the the PA worldwide. Like I, he really kind of got me into that. So that was kind of how the south, the deep south stuff. That was how we got into it. So as I said when we started this interview, we may go over that 45 minute mark and I think we're almost approaching 2 hours. So I oh, have a few, <laughs> I have I have a few more questions for Poor Poo's friend is waiting for him. He's like, yo, I'm going in the car for like Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. We, we, we done dapped up and all that already. I, when I went off camera, we dapped up. He was going to bed. We good. Right. <laughs> so I, I appreciate hanging there just a little bit more. I have a few more questions. I'm going to wrap this up really quick. But there's so much I want to ask. There's so much listeners had uh, requested we, we ask on their behalf. So I will try to make this quick. But thank you for, for hanging in there. Two hours. See, look, you joined KRS One. We were like, it's gonna be thirty minutes. It was two and a half hours by the time he was done. <laughs> so, shit happens. You're, you're flexing your whole southern muscle. You're, you're rattling off everybody. <laughs> little Kiki the Don, and come on, man. Hey, what up? This is little Kiki the Don representing H Town. Right now, you're listening to Take It Personal with the homies, Phil Flavor, Kev Law, and DJ Three Sixty. Nah, man, listen, man, Don like Fat Pat, goddamn, um, uh, Big Mo, like that. The Don, World is, album. Don, that's what she. <laughs> what? Hey, from your from your area, you know who uh, I bet you're a big fan of. I am too. From your area that I put in your in your world, that that mm-hmm. Mid Atlantic sound, man, Odyssey. Oh man, Odyssey. Man. Oh yeah, that's Odyssey. Brother, man. Yo, yeah, Odyssey. That, that's, that's that. That's that Mid Atlantic sound. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, man, Odyssey. That's that's again. That's my brother, man. Odyssey. We was um, you know, he was on the first Born Exchange album. Yep. And uh, you know him, Kev Brown. Uh, another and, one. Uh, another uh, one. Yeah, Kev Brown. That's yeah. That's my brother, man. I love Kev, man. But all those guys. I mean, I remember them coming down and coming to my crib. And like sleeping on the floor of my apartment, like to record their verses for Connected. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, we I mean, we still like to this day, like those are my dudes, man, because you know, they they believed we all kind of believed in each other early on. So now Odyssey, yeah. that's that's family, man. I feel like talent, this is like talent. wrestling, mid-Atlantic regions no. and shit. Like, that's <laughs> like the wrestling hey, shit, you know. Yeah. Do we, do we get in wrestling? We'll be here for another two more hours. Oh yeah. <laughs> don't, even, don't even start with that shit. All right. Um Here's what I want to ask you. You both worked with MERS. MERS is like a friend of the show, cool homie. Give me real quick a MERS story or memory both of you have by working with him. Um, I think for me, it was it was me when when we did uh well when not we when they did 316. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like I wasn't on 316. And so I will always talk to him about it because me and Murr kind of connected outside of like making music. And so I was I was always joking. Damn, I just realized, I'm sitting there realizing, damn, you wasn't on 316. Nah, I wasn't on 316. I thought you, I'm like, damn, you wasn't, wow. Okay. Nah, but he, he ended up on Sleepers and um, and then I was on uh, uh, the, the second one. I can't remember what it was called, but the second oh, one. Murray's Revenge. Revenge. Revenge, we did Barbershop, but 
Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was our introduction to MERS. Um, we was on tour, we was on the Hyro tour, and we were in LA, House of Blues, and we just see this guy pop up at the RV at the door with his, with CDs in his hand, like, yo, I'm MERS, living legends. I'm coming to North Carolina to work with nights. What's up? And I was like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, I don't know you. I don't care. My name is at night, but um, that was my introduction to MERS. And then when I seen him in North Carolina, the only guy I know who was in the party with us with pajama pants on, he was ahead yeah. of his time. He's a yeah. dude that'll be rocking Zubas <laughs> like it's nothing. I yeah, thought it was going to be a drugstore, so there you go. No, nah, no, nah, no drug stories. No drug stories. <laughs> First time I met him, he, he was wearing Zubas. Fonte, what's your your Merce story? Man, Merce, man, I mean, he and I, man, he just, um, I, I love that dude, man. Merce is just just a, a solid dude and just, you know, just, just one of the few just kind of genuine just, you know, souls in the game, you know what I mean? But, uh, nah, man, I remember, like, 316, um, I remember doing, uh, we did, <laughs> we did, he wanted me to do a hook for the, I did a hook for the rain, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I did it and I just thought it was kind of, I'm like, y'all really want me to do it? He's like, yeah, man, sing that shit. I'm like, all right. So I just did it and we just thought it was funny. It was something we was all laughing at, but I mean, the shit was jamming, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So later on, um, before he was about to go back, he had one last record and, um, at the time, he had uh, the record was the animal, and yeah. so I remember that session. That was really the one of the early sessions I remember. I think Crisis engineered the session, and uh, I remember Ninth was there, and he was there at first, and he was just like, "Yo, like Tay." He was like, "I know Tay got it." He's like, "I'm I'm good. Like I'm about to I'm about to bounce." You know what I mean? He's like, "I know I know Tay got the session. Like it's cool." And um, because that was kind of my idea. The idea was that to me that beat it sounded like some havoc shit, and I just thought it would be dope to have a West Coast MC on like a East or like a very East Coast sounding joint. And so, um, in the spirit of it being sounding like a havoc kind of mob record, I wanted to put Scudder on the hook because he kind of had that dark kind of prodigy tone, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it was, you know, it was more or less a mob deep tribute <laughs> that me and Merz rapped on. But mm-hmm. I remember doing that record, you know, we did it, you know, we did our verses and, you know, we put it together and stuff. And he heard, he was like, yo man, this, this shit is hard. And so from that point on, like he and I, we were, we were always cool, man. And um, Merz just, we, I saw how much he really bet on himself. I remember he did the Paid Dues Festival and, you know, talked about, like, losing, like, crazy money doing that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, nah, man, those are some of just my early memories. Just, you know, solid dude and um, just, you know, amazing artist and just just a real dude. And, and shout out to Merz because Merz actually took me out on my first solo run. Like, that was going out with him and Kids in the Hall. That was my first time touring as a solo act. And um, and that was, like, one of the best tours of my life, um, just just going out with him. Cool. Very, I love I love hearing stories, of, you know, like that. You mentioned, uh, uh, Fonte, about hooks. There was, like, a point in time, it seemed like you were 
on your Nate dog shit. Like you were doing hook <laughs> for everybody. Like um Summon Ride to by Royce or um like I'll be there, Mac Miller. Like just the ones yeah. that come to my Percy mind. Mi- Percy Miracles was busy. Yeah. Listen, man. Yeah, child support to pay. Yeah. <laughs> you like you've always flexed your, your vocal muscles, but when did you feel completely comfortable? going that route i mean obviously you had to for for foreign exchange but at what point in your career were you like you know what you know i i could do this um i think it was um by the time we got to the fourth foreign exchange album loving flying colors in 2013 like that was when i i felt like I, i finally found my voice as a singer and had the confidence to do it singing was something that we did as a kid. I mean, I did it, you know, singing in church and whatever, but I, you know, it was something I never really took seriously like that. And um, even the early LB records of us, me doing the hook for speed and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, they were kind of meant to just be placeholders, you know what I'm saying? Like singing good enough just to get the idea down and then someone else come and do it over. But they just, we just kind of kept it. And so after the listening, that was when people would hit me like, yo, I want a verse. But yo, I want you to do a hook too. And I was surprised. I was like, word, like you want me to sing? Um, I remember uh my man uh, Dave Ghetto, like he hit me. Um, we did a record where it was me, him, and Mystic, I think, was on it. But um, but you know, he was like, Oh, I want a hook on. I was like, word. I'm like, okay. I know we struggling, but we got to find a Yeah, that was it. But yeah, I, I really wanted to just um I, I really wanted to be a songwriter. Like my goal was always to be the guy in the parentheses, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I because that dude gets a check forever. You know, so you I mean? should have so, been the Tevin Campbell tape. Basically- you feel me? Yo, fuck <laughs> nigga, I had the Tevin Campbell tape. Like along with you is on my slow jam playlist uh-huh. to this day. That song would never fucking die. I man, I love the Campbell. Who your so, mom should have taken him to the store. <laughs> right. She, but, she chose nah, right. She chose right for me. I know she chose right. Yeah. Ooh, but, nah, what but that was when I started. That was 2013. I think that was when I really got the the confidence. And um, you know, after we got the Grammy nomination for Leave It All Behind, I mean, yeah. those were songs that I wrote and essentially were kind of using it just to show my skills as a songwriter. Um I, you know, we never expected like the Grammy nomination and like us touring. You know, Nick and I, we always kind of looked at the foreign exchange. We were on like some steely dance shit. Like we were really just a studio band in that way. But then when the album hit and it was like, we getting calls for shows. Like, oh shit, like we got to put a band together. What the fuck, you know? So did that Grammy thing bump you guys? Um, It did. I mean, it was, it maybe put some eyes on us that, you know, that probably hadn't before. But I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's again, it's, it was kind of hard to measure what effect it had, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it was, but I mean, I definitely I think it had a positive effect, but um, it definitely bumped us in the sense of like this thing that we were just doing as a side project, just getting ideas off as a studio band. Once we got the Grammy nomination, then it was like, oh, okay, like we have to be a band now. And how do we do that? And so 
that was kind of my singing journey. So yeah, 2013, I think that was when I really uh, accepted and, and grew into uh, my singing ability and just really had that confidence. Cool. Wow. Who? What did uh? What did Mom Dukes think of this album cover? Uh, don't know. Um, <laughs> Ain't no cream in that coffee. <laughs> Jay, 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 this is, audio, Jay, this is an audio show. Which album? <laughs> so that the album, if you, if you, first of all, everyone should know the album because I want to know who the, the the chick is. But it's uh, this came out in two thousand what eight two thousand nine. I can't remember. Man, I don't even know. Delightful bars. Delightful bars. It it features a very very blonde, very nordic looking woman and uh <laughs> with, with 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 some i don't something pasties or sand over her 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 areolas but that is told what well what, what was the idea behind this do tell so so i actually have four different album covers i had so many songs and you chose this no that's one <laughs> that was that was the physical the if you go on iTunes, so uh, iTunes, I got an iTunes version with an Asian woman. Okay. I had another version with a with a with a black woman. I actually had two versions with black women that they were supposed to have been like uh in, imports or whatever. But um, so the idea behind that was our guy Tobias Rose. Um, if you've ever seen Boomerang. <laughs> um, Eddie Murphy is depressed because uh, Robin Givens, you know, played him like like a man, and he let Nelson go and do whatever he wanted with the commercial. This is my vision. It is fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> Strong shade. It sticks so good. Big mistake. That, that's <laughs> what we call Tobias Rose. We call him Nelson. <laughs> If you give him an inch, he's going to go five miles. So I gave him an idea, and he came back with, okay, I got another idea. What if we do this, 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 this? And because he was the photographer, he was the art director, he did all of that. He paid himself. Good. Listen, I was just like, I... (laughs) it It was one of them things where I just let him run, and, you know... We ended up with the Nordic woman on one version, the Asian woman yeah. on version, and hey, look, man, shout out to Tobias Rose, yeah. man, aka Nelson. Well, Nelson's dead because he just got run over by the bus. But listen, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> you actually had Ken, uh, Kendrick Lamar on here before a lot of people even knew Kendrick was because Section Eighty came out in 2011, and this yeah. is 2009. You had, um, and by the way, the album, was it intentional to have a little different sound? Like you had Jake One on here, you had Oh No. So there was a little more of that West Coast influence, so to speak, on this album than a traditional, you know, little brother. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I'm a West Coast guy at heart. I believe in another life. I was born in California in LA to be exact. Okay. Um, but for me, I was just always one of them people. Once I really started to find my artistic voice, mm-hmm. that's where I was leaning. Like that's where that's what inspired me. That's what I felt. That's where I. So I leaned that way, and I leaned all the way in. And um, it was just I just those 
producers are producers I wanted to work with. And um, the funny thing about that record with Kendrick Lamar, um, that record was only supposed to have Ab Soul on it. <laughs> and, and that J-Rock I, as well. Yeah, I, so I sent it to Dave Free because uh, we had connected via MySpace. And I went out to, uh, to L.A. and met with him and we got up. So I sent the record. I was like, yo, I want um, Ab Soul on this. And when he sent it back, he was like, yo, I'm sorry, Pooh. I put I put Ken, I put K dot, that's what he's called the time. I put K dot and uh J Rock on it. So I heard it. And I was like, shit, it's good how it is. This is the part where we run hip hop and we don't need props, we know we the shit. This is the part where we run hip hop, so get them hands high. I'm yelling on my real niggas, move it. My real bitches, move it. I promise I'ma move it. If they don't, we do it. The best, the best. Yeah, I swear they give you nothing less. Nothing less. Nothing yes. less. Never pledge allegiance God-given flow I can now preach a deacon Once the words get to speaking mm-hmm. Give me a reason why I'm not the best breathing They worship the ground I walk on Though I'm harder than cement Sticking to the streets like convertible oil leaks Portable handgun Who wanna test? I can pass out many scantrons Fail many students Trying to play the truest Dumber than three stooges How much we steady cruising Like time do Higher than a vanilla sky Float by you When I'm through I probably let you take it back like my old prime suit that I wore with the tag. They smoked it. They killed it. And um, and yeah, man, it was just one of them things, man. I I, I heard, you know, them guys, and um, once I was introduced to them, and I loved what they were doing, the energy they had. They were students of the game, um, and they reminded me a lot of just us in in certain ways, and. You know, it was it was dope just to have that relationship with them and that, you know, that that kindred, you know, spirit, you know, with them guys. And um, but that that album, that was kind of me kind of really leaning fully into branching out from what people typically heard of me and leaning leaning kind of into what, you know, who I was or who I was becoming uh, or who I felt I was becoming artistically. And that was more of the sound that had interest me and inspired me at the time. Got it. Okay. Um, Hey, we heard you a bunch of times with the roots. Um, one time the day now or never, that was like, what, that was 2010, 2011. Yeah. 2010. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I know they're sitting on a, a many, many albums and, um, one's probably going to be coming out in the next year or so. Hopefully, do you have more material with them that you have recorded? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's not a lot. I mean, I think so. When we did How I Got Over, um, I first did They Called Me For Now and Never. And then uh, it was another record. Um, it was Now and Never. I did that one first and then they called me back for the day. And then there was another song that we did that didn't get released. That was kind of like this. Um, it was kind of like some Al Green sounding shit that I rhymed on and, and I did a hook on. It was called Make a Move. I remember that. It was just called Make a Move. Um, but it, it never got released. And uh, but now nah, we did that one. And then for Undone, which was the 2011 record, um, I did make. No, I didn't do. No, I did one time. That was the one I was on. But um, originally they were going to have me on, um, they wanted to put me on the song uh, Make My, 
And I remember uh, Rich Nichols, who was uh, their manager at the time, God rest his soul, he hit me and he was like, yo, we got this joint. And he said, you know, I want to get, you know, we're going to get you on it. You know, you reek, he said. And the third rapper, he said, we trying to decide either between Big Crit or Rick Ross. <laughs> and I said, yo, man, y'all need to go with Crit. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I fuck with Ross. Ross is dope. But I said, I think for the song, what y'all talking about, like, I think Crit would be a better fit for that. And, you know, they went with Crit. And uh, I actually put myself out of a job on that one because they went with Crit. And then, you know, Amir, they, they he added, like, this fucking two-minute, like, outro to it and shit. And so when it was finished, I was talking to Rich, and he was like, yeah, man. He said, Crit just kind of came straight down the middle with his verse. We didn't. And then Amir did that long thing at the end. He said, we didn't need a third verse. I was like, dude, the song is the song. The shit is perfect. Like, it didn't it didn't need me, you know. Um, so those were, like, the two joints, those uh, some of the joints. But, uh yeah, man, those guys, I mean, just, you know, you're talking inspirations, big brothers, just the whole nine. Um, and anytime I got called to work with them, it was always um, just an honor and a blessing. And, you know, I always want to put my best foot forward. You said crit, and it made me think immediately of the, the Life is Kings video. Shout yeah. out shout outs to mom, who's like pretty much the star of the video. I mean, man, listen. Hey, uh, that's a cut. So we're going to have to set up for crit next. I've missed his flight. So that's kind of, you know, we're rappers. We just have to go straight to Chris. I know the verse. Ma, I ain't putting you in the video. Ma, no, just no. Just but no. I know the verse. Real talk, I know the verse. I'm a king. Bruh, my mama, she really, like, she was so sincere. Like, she was so serious. Like, she really wanted to rap for real. <laughs> like, my mom is crazy. <laughs> but but she, she killed that. And that, what y'all saw in the video, that was the first take. That was the... He just, I just kind of told her what the setup was. She was like, all right. And then we hit record, and she did it just like that. So, yeah, shout shouts to mom. She a G. Yeah, that was, a, that was another great collab, though. You worked a Thank lot you, with, with evidence throughout the years. It seems like, you know, there's been a reoccurring thing there, you guys and, and Ev. Yeah, man. Ev was somebody who, and I told Ev this, Ev was really somebody who I looked at as a model of how to transition from being in a group into being a solo artist. Um, you know, he put out, you know, the Weatherman album in 07, and then um, he, we did, he did the Layover EP with, uh, with, you know, with, with, um, like, Crisis did some records on that. We did the Who, Whom the Bell Toes record with me, Blue, and Will I Am. And we like we shot the video for that, you know what I mean? Um, he was just somebody that I really looked to as a model, and we talked about it. And I would tell him, I was like, yo, Ev, man, I, you know, rock with your solo shit, you know, even more than the dilated stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, dilated stuff was dope as, as well. Like, that's family. But his solo stuff, I'm like, man, you really kind of tapping into, like, some some other shit with this. This shit is hard. So, uh, yeah, Ev is definitely um, just one of our, you know, one of our kind of kindred spirits in this thing. And, um, you know, another ABB Records. ABB. Uh, uh, refugee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys commiserate over Benny B and uh, the, the good years. Can, can we touch on Crisis for a minute? Um, this is a dude I think that that deserves more accolades and more attention, and he gives me the vibe. Now I, I may be off on this, but he gives me the vibe, and I'm talking like early LB. He gives me mm -hmm. the vibe of K. Death to Marley Marl. 
Mm, that is a deep pull, but I think that's very accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, crisis, man. You know, and we, you know, talked about it in the in the doc, but like crisis for me for many years. You know, crisis really was my right ear in the studio. You know, what I mean, um, by the time two thousand four came around, Pooh, would you say like oh four? Do you feel like, uh, like yeah, oh four? Yeah, oh, like oh yeah, four. Yeah, by the time like oh four came around. Crisis was our full-time engineer. So by the time we were recording records, like I, we started work, I started work and finished up work on Connected in 2004. By the time we got to those last couple records, like um, All That You Are and um, the, the Answer with Odyssey and all them, like Crisis, he did those. He, he engineered those directors and I would be in there with him you know, we'll be figuring out like, okay, what reverb we want to use or what effect we want to do here or this and that. We were kind of figuring all that shit out together. And uh, particularly um, when I started doing Foreign Exchange, Leave It All Behind, Crisis was my vocal engineer for that album. And so he and I, we spent just for many years, like just in the studio together, late nights, just fucking just going in. So man, Crisis is—he's amazing, man. Um, he just always really had that gift, and um, it's just one of the most, one of my favorite beat makers, you know. How'd you, so, how'd y'all find each other? Uh, Sean Don actually found Crisis. Um, oh wow! All right. Crisis, Crisis was in high school, <laughs> and um, he would—I uh, think he would come up to the radio station or something, and um, Sean Don ended up meeting him, and you know, saw he made beats and. And brought him to our attention. Um, and, you know, I fitting, um, February 8th, 19-year anniversary of my debut album, Sleepers. But I often say that's Crisis' debut album as well. Um, mm. He recorded, you know, most of that album and obviously did beats on it. And I always consider that kind of his true coming out party was the Sleepers album. And that album wouldn't have got done. There it is the actual second version of that song. But uh, yeah, I always say <laughs> that album wouldn't have happened without Crisis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen without Crisis. So, because mm-hmm. just like Tay and Crisis figuring things out when they were doing Leave It All Behind, me and Crisis was figuring a lot of things out recording Sleepers. So, Crazy um, talented. Crazy talented. Yeah, absolutely. One Speaking more. Of- Scudder, how'd you guys, uh, how'd that come together? Joe Scudder. Um, Scudder was, he was the hype man for uh, DJ MC, who, um, uh, what did DJ, what did, what, what, he, he ran a halfway house, basically. Well, yeah, he ran a halfway house, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was, he was a hype man for DJ MC, and, and Ninth ended up living with DJ MC for a period of time, and, and that's kind of how they met, um, and, you know, Ninth kind of introduced them you know, to the crew and, you know, we, me and Scudder fell in, we were super close because we were partying. <laughs> so, uh, we got super close and me and Scudder got an album worth of cuts sprawled over every fucking Justice League release <laughs> throughout the years. But, um, you know, that's kind of how he like kind of came in, you know, via ninth, via MC. And once he was in the fold, he was there. He just, the energy, was there and yeah 
Wade, any other questions? Maybe we want to do a track by track of the Chitlin circuit. <laughs> I, I like I like Wade's actually Marley Mall uh, pronunciation. It's the hard L. Yeah, that Marley Mall K Dep, yo, you big props to that one. That yeah, real but it's the hard L. Marley Mall. It was just, it was just, funny, it was just giving me those vibes, man. Nah, man, nah, that big nah. Respect on that, nah. That, that yeah. K Dep was like, yeah, man, that was my dude. His um. Cause I think he did. If I'm saying he did mad props by the youngsters, and that's yeah. like that was my record. I love it. He did, that. He did pretty much anything yeah, with Marley Mar on it from uh, 1990. Yeah. There's that elegant. Uh... All the low tug, man. All, all, the, low all the low tug shit. Nah, straight uh, up. Nah, in the real live album, like that shit yeah, has some shit on it. So, nah, big ups to Larry. Uh, big ups to him, man. When um, I'm, I'm gonna try to do my best to wrap this up soon because I, you know, talking about sleepers and and Fonte, I think is laying down on his bed right now. He's trying to go to sleep. But, <laughs> okay, um, sure. Oh, you're doing a set G. He's gonna get uh, the sleeping bag. He got that <laughs> that Teddy Pendergrass going on right now. When uh, when I like want to listen to like a song of each of yours that like I want to point to somebody and say, hey, this is Fonte, or this is Pooh. I'll probably go to like Dreaming in Color or The Good Fight. Like I, mm-hmm. I know I put right. my. The good fight, those songs, like they're so vivid. They they show your vulnerability, but it also captures like the brilliance that both of you can you know put together uh, in in music. So, what what are like maybe one song in your catalog, your lustrous catalog, that you would say best represents you? I I'm okay. I we'll put some sauce on this one. We'll pick each other's. I think me and Pooh should pick each other. Go ahead. Fair yeah, enough. Thank you. Great uh, idea. Yeah. So for Pooh, if I had to pick one, I know it's going to be something off of To Dream in Color. And I would probably say, well, no, no, no. I, okay. I mean, yeah, well, maybe do one A, one B. I'll say uh, for Pooh, Right on time, his verse on Right on Time on Made a Lord Watch was just um that was just a level of vulnerability that he had never really shown before. And I remember him talking about he was like, Yeah, man, I, I was gonna change the line of me talking about driving doing Uber pickups, and I'm just like, Bro, are you crazy? Like that's the heart of the shit. Like how how many people would have the guts and just to be that real about it? Like, you know what I mean? And so we did it and we kept it and the record came out and you know it was so many people that was hitting him was hitting me and i'm like bro that wasn't even my verse the rapper pool how you feel doing great i mean to feel good eating from a full plate because i remember days when the nigga had to scrape dropping down to both knees begging god for a way took some my job to put salmon on the plate contemplating moving dope to make sure my pocket straight mom used to tell me he don't make no mistakes son swallow your pride i'm just trying to find a place doing uber pickups they don't recognize the face and that's bittersweet trying to reconcile the fact that i never slept with a dry Jeff Gordon will be proud of Make sure to bounce back louder Common sense like gunpowder Confidence showers I continue adding up all the hours 10 thou, 20 thou, 40 now I'ma keep adding up till I'm in the ground But it was dude, it was real dudes Like hitting us like yo man Like and, and it wasn't just, it was regular dudes But it was also dudes in the game That was just like hey yo man That Uber line, yo that shit was real Cause mm-hmm. shit got real for me for a minute I kind of had the, you know, so um, I think that, and I think just an extension of that with your dream and color, 
that was really for me because um, you know he he brought me and asked me to executive produce that album you know with him and like that was just something that I saw in him as a writer um, that was just a focus and a vulnerability and just a targeted it was just a focus in him that I had never seen before you know what I mean and um, it just showed his growth as a writer and his you know maturity as a writer that I, I just thought was amazing Square pieces for lunch, chocolate milk and a honey bun. This what they want, no nutrition. I'm listening to the teachers talk while outside niggas walk the walk. Was trying to help with the bill money. Three generations deep, we ain't never seen no real money. I used to dream that I would break the cycle. Shock the world like my name was Michael. Get five stars in hip hop's Bible. I'm dreaming. Rosie always told me that I was a star. And no matter where you go, remember who you are. By far the best advice I ever received And to believe that I didn't take time to really grieve your loss No words can describe what you meant I would give up every sin if it meant that you was here still On the real, you never got to see your grandson So handsome in the magazines Yeah, um, yeah, for me, I, I would say, yeah uh, That joint off, uh, um, Made Low Watch And, um, uh, the, the Right on Time And then on, uh to dream in color, I'll probably go with. Let me pick one. I probably go with changing again. Um, changing again for me. He was using his voice on the hook in a way that he had never really used it before. Like he wasn't singing, but he was just using his voice in like a melodic way that, as an instrument that he had never used. And um, that shit was hard as fuck. So that'll be my pick. Um, for me, that's easy. Uh, maybe she'll dream of me. That's, 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 my, that's, that's my favorite, favorite, favorite song. I just told Tate the other day, like, I play that song at least once a week. I'm thinking that you're out of my league, walking around looking like something right out of my dreams. People saying me and you is like the finest cheerleader going with the dude that got picked last for the team. But desire's a miraculous thing. When your soul get ravenous, all you want is just a little happiness and you would gladly grab it from the average things. No matter how it look or how absurd that it seems So it's pertinent to stay with what is working I mean, even if your perfect person is alerted by screams And whispers and yells and wows And how are they together, man, I just can't believe This is something that the OGs call composure Keep me in mind, baby, you're my star And I know we aligned Sweet candy for me and my dreaming eyes And when I lay down at night, maybe you'll be in mind Funny enough, not that song, but, um Two-step blues when I was when I got married. Take um, off the blues. It was take off the blues. I mean, take off the blues. My two-step blues is our song. I'm tripping. Take off the blues. Um, when I got married, uh my wife let me pick the song we danced to. And And I didn't know that they were gonna dance to that. That shit dropped. I was like, what the fuck? Like nobody, nobody knew but me and the DJ. So (laughs) my wife didn't even know. So (laughs) first I played Joy uh by Blackstreet, and then he he faded out and then went in to take off the blues and um and that's forever that damn i forgot bro that's crazy yeah Joy, that was i played that that was my wedding song too after all is said and done you're next to me and when the sun goes down you're feeling things you never felt before nothing left to say to ease your fears but i know just what to let me take good care of you. Take off the shoes, take off the blues, and come to you. So 
Yeah, I, that's, that's fucking crazy. But uh, but oh, nah, you're man. biting, man. You biting my shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe she'll dream of me. That's my that's my favorite. That's my favorite song, man. Like I I just asked him the other day, like, bro, what what was you on when you wrote that? Cause like I just I just I just gotta know. <laughs> I just need the scoop. But just the way it's put together is very concise. Is you know him? I can hear the confidence in his voice. Um that I, I hadn't heard before because he even talked about it. Like he, he sung more so on little, early little brother records as placeholders. And he sung on subsequent foreign exchange records, but that album, that foreign exchange album and that song in particular, just really, I heard it all for him. Um, the confidence come, come full. Like it was, it was right in your face. And, and just the songwriting has always been spectacular, but that's I, I love that song. Like, right, thank you, man. Yeah, uh, you can't, you can't. When I was driving Uber, okay, <laughs> I made a playlist because you know you got all types of people getting your car. So I had a playlist, and that song was on my playlist. And I never forget a guy got in the car, and that song was on, and he didn't really see me, but he was just like. Oh man, I love that song. What you know about the foreign exchange? And I just started laughing. <laughs> man, you know, I just love this song, man. You know what I mean? But yeah, maybe she'll dream of me. Yeah. That that's great. awesome. That's and great. and I think it's so rare that an artist would do what you do and, and say what you would say. Like you you talk about like you don't have dental insurance because you know you make rap for a living you know what i'm saying so like <laughs> you have to go out and work to get these things and that's refreshing that's why i love guys i'm gonna give a shout out to our boy superstition who who's not afraid to be himself and i think when when an artist can get to that point it, it they start making the best music possible because the the fans themselves can re, you know relate to that and once you become relatable, there's an undeniable bond between the, the music that you make and the listeners that listen to it, you know? Oh, no, man, no. It was, listen, I mean, that is something that, you know, I, I, was, I, mean, I was talking to my wife uh, the other night, and we were talking about how the, the relationship with the audience changes, you know? Like, when we were, when we were first starting out, people would stop. Even though we see people like, oh, little brother, I love your music. You know, can you sign this or whatever? And it would just be a, you know, a two second interaction. You know what I mean? Now it's, hey man, this record got me through my divorce, and my kids are now going to college, and this album got me through that. Like people, they really want to talk to you about like their lives. That's you know impact. what I mean? That's impact. It's impact. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's a totally, and it just requires a totally different. Um, it requires just a totally different, uh, just, you know, putting you in that state of mind of like, okay, this is a lot of energy I'm about to receive. And I know it's coming from a good place, but it's like, oh my God, like, you know what? And and I remember, I remember hearing conversations like with, uh, you know, Jazzy Jeff, you know, early on. And he was just talking about how with Jill Scott, when they did her first album and after it came out, she, people would be coming up to her like, yo, I had, will be showing them like their scars from where they tried to kill themselves. And it was like, your music was the only thing that got me through it. And it's just like, 
Heavy. Holy shit. Like, Heavy. wow. What? You know what I mean? So it, it would be moments like that. You know what I mean? And, and over, over all these years, the relationship with the audience does change because you've literally grown up together. So, um, so now, nah, man, it's, uh, that it's, it's, it's refreshing and, um, kind of overwhelming as well, <laughs> but it is, um, it is just, you know, very humbling to know that for me and Pooh to both know that we are in service of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that was what the lesson was for us coming back. And we brought LB back in 2019 and doing the doc, we realized that in those nine years we were apart, we could no longer leave the garden unattended. You know, we had built something that really, um, really just, you know, was, was bigger than either one of us individually. And it was something that we had a responsibility to keep going, you know what I'm saying? And, and to, and to keep nurturing and in whatever way we wanted to, but we could no longer just be like, I ain't talking to you no more. Fuck this LB shit. And it's just like, nah, we, we can't do that. <laughs> no more. Like we can't. And after all these years of success and all that, it it kind of brings you back to when you love hip hop, when you love 100%. music. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's like we don't get those moments back anymore. It's like when you remember why it meant so much, what it meant when you made your first record. You know, people yeah, can't that get why, that, that shit was back. Watch was kind of our, you know, me and Pooh talk all the time. That was really. You know, for me is, you know, the people who talk favorite Little Brother album, I mean, that's subjective. That's, you know, taste. For us, you know, the best Little Brother album is Made a Lord Watch. I mean, period. You know what I mean? Just that was that was the closest we had gotten to recreating our first album and that no one knew we were working on it. Like, mm. no one. By the time we announced that it was coming, that shit was damn near already done. You know what I'm saying? It was very close to being done. And so that gave us a chance to really go kind of go back to that bubble and just really lock in and just do us without any outside eyes working on it. And um, it, it definitely, for me, it, it reconnected and reinvigorated my love for the group again. Well, I have 50 more questions, but I'm going to leave you with one. And the most important one. It's been since, what, 2019, you guys released August. I think it was a, a summer album, Made the Lord Watch. When yeah. when, and when can we expect the next LB album? Well, in the words of D.L. Hewley, you can expect an album whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can expect one tomorrow, next week. You expect an album. <laughs> um, an album? Uh, but we're working. Um You'll you'll definitely hear us, you know, on on more music is coming. More music. Um, and you can check out uh our big brother focus. He just put out a single uh featuring, you know, us. Um put out last yeah. week. But big ups to focus, man. Um, but yeah, nah, I mean we more music is coming. Um uh, we both, you know, after five years of working on a documentary, two years of the pandemic. Of quarantine, I'll say doing the block party, yeah, like, doing yeah. the block party, and just all like we finally, you know, both agree like yeah, it's time to it's time to sit down and and actually get back in the studio, um, and, and work on some things. So, you know, you'll definitely hear some more music coming. Um, you know, what what it is, you'll you'll hear it. Yeah, if it's an album, a single, an EP, it could be something. But yeah, we're not locked into just doing just albums anymore. Like we just, at this point in our lives, little brother, anything, you know, Pooh says it, you know, the best, anything you see us doing together, that's little brother. 
You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, when we put the doc out, one of the biggest compliments we received, one of the guys at the screening was like, yo, this joint felt like a Little Brother album. He's like, it felt like this doc felt, it felt like an album. And I'm like, yo, that was, that was the intention. We wanted it to feel like that. So mm-hmm. anything we do, I mean, it could be a food truck. It could be a goddamn man shit. Like, bro, it could be any damn thing. It could be a cooking class. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but if, if, you see, if you see both of us there, you, that's little brother. That's little brother, straight up. You guys could remake the Odalay album if you want. Like, that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to get up. Who is fucking Gerald? This dude again. Oh, Way my God. So, back. Gerald. Yeah. So, I'll Gerald. shut up. I'll shut up after this, Jay. Oh, no, nah, it's cool, man. Nah, Gerald, that's eccentric. That was the producer. Uh, eccentric, he's a member of the Justice League. And, um, you know, an incredible producer at the time, he was just making stuff. He's like, he's dope. He did the beat for the get up. But uh, uh, it's Gerald and Pat, his name Patrick Williams, but he had, a, uh, he was making beats. Don't was crazy. He had a hard drive crash and like lost everything. This was in like sometime in like 2003, four, some shit like that. Shortly after he made that beat and, um, he ended up going to law school. And so <laughs> now he's a lawyer. He's been a lawyer for like the last, you know, God, 20 plus years. So, uh, yeah, that's the homie eccentric. Uh, uh, that's, that's fucking Gerald. I tied it up in a nice bow and then, and then Wade just unraveled. Oh, here, bonus round. Did, did Riza ever get at you guys for Atari 2600? Like, have you ever like heard a conversation where he, he caught wind of it? Robert Diggs, commonly known as the Riza. Company by Mr. Jeffrey Eisen. Yeah, man, I never did. I, I never heard nothing. Nah, and I and I actually sat at a table with RZA at the MTVU Woody Awards. So he was he was our table mate, and he said nothing of the such. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't think he really. I don't know if he even heard it, but no, man. Someday, I mean, I somehow, I if I'm putting this out into the world, like you know, just somehow. I really want to get RZA and Jeffrey Osborne to like do, I, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to be for. It was something, yeah. it was something we thought about doing Why you know, I was thought about bringing it to the guys when I was working on Sherman showcase uh, on uh, AMC with uh, my guys, Diallo and Bashir. And, but it was just imagining how to explain to, you know, Jeffrey Osborne. It's like, dude, you, this is not going to make any sense, but if you do this, like you are gonna get a whole new set of fans that will fuck with you. <laughs> like there's a whole group of rap nerds that will like bow at you for doing. All this right, shit. Jeffrey. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sample "On the Wings of Love," <laughs> and we're gonna fucking remake it with RZA's fucking dirty ass basement beats that you can barely fucking hear anything but bass. And you're gonna get a whole, you're gonna get a whole new crowd. They're all gonna yeah, love you. Man. That was that was the pitch basically. So, uh, but nah, man, nah, I never heard nothing about it or nothing like that. We toured with Meth and everything, and nah, I mean, I think it was. Um, I don't think he. I don't think it was never no smoke. I think if they did hear, no, it, no, no. But like, even hearing it, it's kind of funny. Like he, you know, you know, he heard it. But uh, I mean, like I can go on, but I, I, it's late, and and I can't thank you guys enough. And um, I, I would love to do it again, but uh, you know. Don't don't uh, don't be scared to come back on the show if it's a three hour show next time. 
Nah, man, we can do it. It just can't be starting at level. We just gonna start. We just gonna start a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm you know all what? about it. Ask Andre where he was before he uh, jumped on on this interview. <laughs> Ask him. Go ahead. Man, my wife made me go see some dumbass play Fiddler on the Roof. It was, you know, it was what it was. I had to do some fucking family time. <laughs> and then, and then when he, when when we were talking about the interview, I'm like, all right, guys, I cannot do Thursday night. I'm just giving yeah. you a heads up. So Jay's like. Hey man, we got him on Thursday night, ten thirty, and I'm like, "Why y'all fucking my shit up?" You know where I should be right now, but it ain't happening. So, Yo, Dre, do, are you totally off off topic? Off quick, are you by chance any related to John Prime? Yeah. John are you serious? Prine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Prime. The the John Prime, the singer, is like a distant uncle. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He passed away. So Yeah, he died in 2020. Yeah. And man. my brother is John Prine. And when he was at the University of Tennessee, he did a concert and it was John Prine interviews John Prine. It was just like a weird like Wow, like man. That. Okay. Uh respect. That's the music, the student in Fonte. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like Fonte was tired when he started this interview, but he can go another hour or two if we just start talking music and chopping it up. Like, you know, he could do the whole breakdown of Beck's catalog <laughs> in chronological <laughs> order. That's nah, I love talking music. no fuck out. Right. <laughs> Did you listen to Bjork when she was with the Sugar Cubes or Solo? I was, it was, it was solo. So like for me, um, you know, the dance in the dark soundtrack, uh, you know, um, post, I fuck, I fuck, I was, I would fuck with post, but yeah, telegram that was, that was like the remix of But yeah, I was, I mean, early, she had a record with, uh, it was the, I miss you joint. And I forgot who remixed it. I remember Nelly Hooper did a remix on that album as well. I cannot remember. Those what remixes were so good by Nelly Hooper. Dude, all the soul, the soul shit. It was so good. Yo, he's one of my bucket list people. I want to get him on Quest of Supreme. Like yeah. him, Jazzy B, just that whole collective. But uh, but nah, man. And then Nelly Hooper, like his remix for uh well, his version, it was uh he did I Want You when Madonna covered I Want You by Marvin Gaye. Like yeah. he did that. That shit was hard as fuck. So yeah. good. But yeah, that was kind of my Bjork. Yeah, Bjork, Tom York, Radiohead. Like, nope, that was kind of my bag at that time and go right. back and listen to uh trevor horn he was like oh come on man all the noise, what, come on, noise what are talking yeah. about, bro? everyone had a little moments in love in their <laughs> in their fucking record box back in the day and beatbox on the flip yeah man him his uh his production work for seal like I, I thought they had a really great partnership for those like first phenomenal you know four or five seal albums you know what i mean but yeah trevor horn's a beast and just to get you guys to realize look music singles they're all good but there's nothing like in 20 years going back and saying, start to finish, that that album was special. That album was this. It hit us. It's a specific time in our lives because we all have arcs, man. We all have beginnings, mm. middles, ends, and then the fucking rebirth again. So albums speak volumes, man, because they're journeys that the two of you all take together. You know what no, I'm saying? That's, so, no, that's actually, that's facts. I mean, you know, and even with us with albums, man, it's just, it's not that we you know, don't want to do one or whatever. I just think for us, for so long, we operated in a space, you know, in the time we came in, you know, that was what you did. You had to make albums, you know, you just, that was the thing. You do the album to set up the tour and then you tour and do all the things. But, um, but now we're in a place where, you know, I mean, shit, you, you know, what it takes to put out a single and all the accompanying 
uh, visual content that you're going to need behind it, it's like shit, you know, it's, it's, it's a machine. Yeah, you got to have all of that. So it's like, hell, if I'm going to put all that into an album that people are going to be over in two weeks versus a single, you know what I mean? But um, but nah, man, I, I definitely agree that the album is a thing. I think for us, it's just about finding what well, I speak just for me. It's just kind of about finding what the story is. I think when we did Made a Little Watch as the album, it really felt like the conclusion of it felt like just kind of a circle being closed, you know what I'm saying? Like it felt like completion, you know what I'm saying? And not that we would not make music again, but just we completed that story. And so if we were doing another album, yeah, I just don't know what the story is yet. You know what I mean? It, and, and it may take some time for it to reveal itself, but that's just kind of where I'm at now. If I can get you Jeffrey Osborne, could we make an album happen? Yeah, right. If you get Jeffrey, yo, let's fucking go. Here's, here's my deal. I'm, I'm going to get you Jeffrey, and I got two unreleased verses from James Ingram. Can we make this happen? <laughs> <laughs> James Ingram, rest in peace. And then man. I got Sergio <laughs> Mendez on, on the B-side. Yo, we go, because we go, which, which Brazil? We get Brazil 66? Yeah, get Brazil, get Brazil 66, 66 like, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Now, listen, you guys are real as fuck. I, I, I'm so sorry that I missed the beginning of the interview the first good, hour man. or whatever, but so fucking cool, both of y'all. I, I just, you just seem like we knew each other for a lifetime, so I appreciate just, just the time I got on, on, on with y'all, so... Thank nah, man. Thank you. That's love, man. And I appreciate, appreciate it. I thank y'all like for coming back and you know for us, you know, still doing this show. You know, just from you know the days of filler flavor, and you know, what I mean, and this uh, this time with us doing it now, man, it really has been uh, uh, several reunions and a lot of things have come full circle. So, you know, to sit with you guys like 20 years later and see y'all like in y'all homes and, yeah. you know, you going out with your wife, going to see plays and shit. Like, yeah. you know, man, listen, it's beautiful to see hip hop grow up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so now nah, this, this has been beautiful, man. I thank you guys for rocking with us and supporting us from day one, man. It means absolutely, a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you again. I truly appreciate it. And um, LB, truly, thank you for everything. All right. Appreciate you, man. Thank y'all, brothers. Right. Have a safe night, man. Have you too, I guess. You good. All right. Peace. Yo, 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 what up? This is Fonte. It's the rapper Big Pool. Little brothers in the building right now. You are checking out the Take It Personal show. Take it very personal. Don't be, we want you to take it all the way personal. Go home at night and you can't sleep because you took it so personal. Take it so personal. When you go, you need extra sessions of therapy. Like, you take it so personal. LB, let's go. Take it personal like Michael Jordan took it personally. And then afterwards, listen to some Kenny Latimore. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that new unreleased Kenny Latimer. The new unreleased Kenny Latimer. Let's be clear. Now, you know, this, this is not out of available Kenny Latimer.